Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 955 with Brooks Tanner. Then you get a great bagel sandwich, and you're like, oh my gosh, you know that, that was fantastic. I hope the rest of my day goes like that. I'm going to tell people consciously, and I might tell a couple people unconsciously when they come in and see my coffee sleeve on my, on my coffee, or they see I'm exceptionally bright today. They might be like, what's gotten into you? Oh, man. I had a bagel spread. Have you eaten there? It's, it's fucking baller. <laughs> you know? Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Pop Menu, and restaurants have been hit hard over the past last years, which means restaurant owners and their staff have been working harder than ever, trying to meet the expectations of in-person hospitality can be demanding, which is why I recommend Pop Menu Answering. Pop Menu Answering turns every restaurant phone call into an opportunity because it uses artificial intelligence to answer the simple questions that are tying up your phone lines, like... Can I make a reservation or where are you located? And over 50% of restaurant guests are happy to have their questions answered by an automated system. For a limited time, my listeners can get $100 off their first month plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro and they are launching their first time ever 60 day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurant tours through the Restaurant System Pro software and setting up the systems for your restaurants. Fred will teach you recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, it, more butts and seats, and that's not it. If you are interested in this, head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you back on the show for a second time, my brother and COO of Spread Bagelry, Brooks Tanner, I want to call you Chef Brooks Tanner, but you, you dropped the chef role, bro. No, you never dropped the chef. Dude. Once a like, chef, always a chef. That's right. I think I people call me chef. Actually, the corporate office now, everybody's calling each other chef. So it's, really? It's quite funny. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so I'm super excited. I almost forgot to ask you, man. Are you feeling unstoppable? Oh, my today? gosh, man. I, you know, I don't know if I'm getting older or what, but I feel more unstoppable every day. It's that experience, yeah. that wisdom that's yeah. guiding you, making you feel unstoppable. I can't wait to dive into it. So the last time you were on the show, episode 360, back in August of 2017, at that time you were the executive chef at Rock Hill, located in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Sure. Uh, you had a crazy career. You're a graduate of Cornell. You've worked some, for some incredible chefs uh, at a hotel slash in restaurant such what was that one called again so that was orient express that's right in, in yeah. charlottesville virginia for an amazing chef who you put me yep. in touch with yeah yeah craig hartman yep yep shout and out to craig we cover that story we also cover a lot of your values and your beliefs as a chef building teams it's an amazing interview go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 360 i recommend listening to that episode uh, it's one of my earlier shit so like 
Yeah, that's I, like whenever six, I listen to my early stuff, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> me too. So, uh, so I listen to it, and um, you know, disclaimer: there's some curse words in there. There'll sorry. be some curse words sorry. in those ones. Yeah. Maybe not. Uh, you're working for a bigger company, but man, you know, even though it was only five or six years ago, it feels like feels like eons ago. Yeah, man. And uh, uh, you know, I was definitely young and and inspired, and I don't think much has changed. I'm still young. I'm still super inspired. Yeah, I'm young at heart, man. Um, and you know, the only the only difference now is there's a lot of people coming along for the ride, yeah. um, different people, so I'm stoked. I'm yeah, stoked dude. to talk about it. I'm super excited to get into it, but before we pick up where we left off, let's get that motivational, inspirational, ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? So lately, it's been um, really just all about people and culture, mm. right? So, you know, we serve bagels. We're, we're a morning spot, but we're really in the people business. Mm. So I've just been preaching that all day. Um, Cooks, supervisors, general managers—they all look at me cross-eyed, but it's all about the people. You know? Yeah, man. So, so the the last quote you said was, "It's all about building relationships." So That's you it. said these days it's all about this. So basically, nothing's changed. Yeah, nothing's <laughs> changed. And in fact, you know, in fact, I'm diving deeper down yeah. the down the rabbit hole of experience. Um, what do you mean that by, by deeper down the rabbit? Yeah, hole of let me let me tell you a little bit about it. So, and I think a lot of great great restaurateurs and companies are doing that right now. Um, and we'll continue to do that. The, the food is such a small aspect of a restaurant. It's really how you feel when you walk in. The minute you walk in the door as a customer, um, just as important how your employees and how your team feels when they come in, walk in the door for the first time. Are they inspired? How do we get them inspired? Um, one thing I'm preaching a lot right now is I feel like our business, the bagel business, which is on fire, um, has a has a bigger impact on on people than than a fine dining restaurant, and the reason is you go to dinner um, at six or five or seven p.m. with your colleagues or your wife or your family. You have a dinner; it's fantastic. You're blown away. The chef comes out and signs your menu. You go home. You go to bed, and your day kind of resets. Right? Um, you might not think it does, but but I, I strongly feel it does. Your day resets, the next day starts, and you're back in the grind. You know, you're up at 8 a.m. going back to work. Here, um, you get your coffee, your bagel sandwich, and you might be coming on a weekend as a, as a visit, as an institutional visit, or you might be just on your commute to work. Um, but you have the whole day to marinate in that experience, right? So mm -hmm. I feel like it's exponentially, um, we're, we're in the limelight exponentially more than, than even these um, high-profile chefs because these people marinate on how their day started here at Spread Bagelry for the entire day. Mm, I and love how, that. How many people do they tell, right? Yeah. And how, how I don't know about you, but when you wake up in the morning, I kind of get a little bit of a internal clock in my mind. I'm going to accomplish this, this, this. I'm going to do this. Talk to these people. Never goes that way, but you start your day with that, right? Yep, yep. And uh, then you get a great bagel sandwich, and you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, that, that was fantastic. I hope the rest of my day goes like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell people consciously, and I might tell a couple people unconsciously when they come in and see my coffee sleeve on my, on my coffee, or they see I'm exceptionally bright today. They might be like, what's gotten into you? Oh, yeah. man. I had a bagel spread. Have you eaten there? It's fucking baller. Yeah, <laughs> man. And, but what's going through my mind too is like when you go to that 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 image you painted earlier, talking about the the you know the, maybe the fine dining restaurant or the sit down full service restaurant. I think there's an expectation for people to go above and beyond. 
as far as experience goes. Uh, but there's so much opportunity in other verticals, fast casual or or breakfast food, right? Where I don't think people have that much of an expectation as far as service goes. Like it's more transactional, sure. which means there's so much more opportunity there to really just blow people's you know shoes off and socks off. One hundred percent. I'm um, I'm taking what I've learned in these fine dining hotels, for, you know, from people like you know Will Gardera from from New York City, Daniel Ballou, these chefs that I've just worked with that have just preached this experience um, to me, and I'm bringing it to this QSR. Um, I was expecting a QSR, but honestly, I walk into this place and it does not feel like a QSR. I was like, is this like a, a casual dining bagel shop? Like, Yeah, and that's kind of where we are. You yeah. know, we're, we're a little bit in this gray area of like, what are we, um, casual dining or, or QSR? And sometimes that gets scary as a business model because you're like, well, you know, you don't want to waste too much money in too many different places. How many TVs are in this place? There's like four or five yeah, TVs. That this wasn't this that one's either. a little different, yeah, but, okay. um, <laughs> but the, the cool part about it is we're paving this path that not a lot of people are going down and that's bridging the gap between QSR and, and kind of casual. Right. And I think as, as this business is morphing, um, people kind of want that people want to come in and grab their bagel and and go to work, but some other people want to come and hang out and, and, and do some meetings here, right? Jump on the internet, take care of a couple, couple emails before they go to work or on Saturday and Sunday, this place is an institution, man. The lines lines down the block. You know? I think so. the world's changing too. You know, yeah. I think there was a period, the past twenty or thirty years, maybe even beyond that, where like the pressure of life was just on all of our heels, man, nipping at our heels. Go, sure. go, 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 go. Pandemic forced us to go. <sighs> you know, like yeah, breathe, totally. like slow down. And now we're all just like, wait, do we really want to accelerate back into that go, go, go experience? I mean, you're seeing uh, corporations going to four day a week work weeks and like really just uh, more people working from home, more people working remotely. There is a need for third place. Like we like the people want to be able to go get a bagel and go chill. Yeah. And hang out. Yeah. You totally, know, like totally. we, we're slowing down collectively and it's a beautiful thing. We are. But, you know, in this business, in our business, um, we got to do a little bit of both mm. um, because there are still people that want their bagel and they want to get to work. Mm-hmm. And especially in Philadelphia, like they don't got time to waste and they'll let you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, at the, yeah. but at the same time, um, we have those people that want to chill, too. So yeah. it's really cool to see some of our reviews and people are like, I waited 20 minutes, you know, for my bacon, egg and cheese. And then other people are, are responding for us. Like, Hey man, it's, it's worth the 20 minutes, dude. It's, you know, they're using organic eggs. They're using like super thick cut bacon. Like bagels are made by fucking wood, you know, like, yeah. in the morning. It's very archaic. So like, wait, wait for that artisanal product. And you'll, you'll be pleased. So. Nice, dude. So we're talking about spread bagelry right now. We're going to be spending a lot of time talking about spread, but I want to go back and reflect over the sure. past five years to pick up where we left off and to kind of discover how you got here. I mean, behind every great restaurant is great people. So I want to share your story, share your values, share what you've learned over the past five years. And we're going to get into that right now. When we last spoke, August 2017, where were you and what happened after that? So... I think I was at Rock Hill, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, I, my, my wife said, we're moving to Philly. And I said, oh, man, Philly. Oh, boy. You know, um, <laughs> all my family's like, why are you moving to Philly? <laughs> Where were you living before? Charlottesville, Virginia. Beautiful um, area, by the Beautiful way. wine Philly's country. Oh, my God. So I got to Philly, and I realized, wow, this place is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so blessed, so so diverse. Philly gets a bad rep, man. There's a lot going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and... 
I, I, I didn't know where to land, so I started calling all these, you know, high-profile chefs in Philly, and they were all like, hey, we don't know you, man. <laughs> you know, I was like, I get it. Yeah. Like, we'll start you out as a cook, or you can stage, or, and, you know, I had a kid on the way, and I was like, man, I can't, I can't go back to being a line cook. Um, so I, I found a couple of projects to help me out in the meantime. Uh, Rock Hill was one of those with my buddy Andrew, who, who was from Cornell University. I left there, and um, I landed with Jose Garces. You know, I did some interviews with him just to be an executive chef. And he said, actually, dude, do you want to be the you know executive chef of the Kimmel Center for Performing Arts? And that's, that's a pretty big-time gig in Philadelphia. It's right downtown. What makes that such a big-time gig? It's just a, you're the catering chef. So. Okay. Once again, all my colleagues are like, you're going from restaurants to catering. You're, you're nuts. You know? <laughs> why, why is that? Because catering is a bear, yeah, man. Yeah. Catering is like physically and mentally demanding. Cooking for hundreds of people. Thousands. Yeah. You know, cooking the, at scale, not one plate at a time. Exactly. At the Kimmel Center, you know, the Democratic National Convention was there. You're doing five weddings a night at different theaters amongst Philadelphia, um, all executing at the same time. Jesus. Everybody's paid a ton of money. Everybody's a who's who, right? The mayor's at this one. This guy's at that one. Um, but I love it, dude. I, I love that grind. So I love the infrastructure. I love building infrastructures. And, like, so I had 40 cooks all of a sudden. You know, I had 10 dishwashers, 200 service, <laughs> like, wait staff. And, um you know, everything was loaded up on speed racks and we'd go to all these places and cook. And, um, dude, it, it was, it was huge. It, it kicked my ass. You know, yeah. I was, I was putting in like 60, 70 hours a week, but you know, what? I, I loved every second of it. It felt, it felt like 20 hours a week. Well, we left off on um, the last conversation we had. You, I asked you, what questions should I ask? I guess. And you said, you should ask what, why do you do this? What drives you? What's your yep. passion? And do you remember your answer? I don't, but I know my answer now. I think it's the same. Okay. Can I tell you? Let's we'll see, uh, see what happens. Um, oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. So, um, you know, I, I've been reflecting a lot about this. And it, for me, it's the grind. Like, I'm not done yet. My team's not done yet. No matter what team I'm in, like, we're not done. No matter where we are, it's only a plateau. And only our creativity and our mind can stop us. Right? Yeah. So I've unleashed that. And just being in the grind, I've realized is is I've won. Like I've made it. Yeah. I'm grinding. Dude. And you can hear that in your story too, because when you were do, like, dude, catering the chef, right? For uh, an operation like Jose Garces, like what they're doing over there, uh, at that volume, like you, you painted that picture, right? That's that's a grind, bro. Yeah. But what you said last time, and it's similar, not exactly the same, is that you love lack of structure in the chaos. Yeah, man. That's um, the grind, right? Yeah. And I love I love taking that grind yeah. and like giving that structure. So, like, I've left Garces now. Yeah. But, like, I've left, I, I hope, you know, these guys might chuckle, but I feel like I've left a legacy there that someone can take and build on that. You mm. know, the pandemic's messed it all up a little bit. But, like, right? How like, I, I, yeah, I, I set the plateau point. there, my standards, our standards, and it became second nature. And now they can take that and build on that, hopefully, more, you know? Yeah. Um, I just had a thought, it'll come back to me. Oh, the irony. Yeah. When I when I listening to you and like I, I love the chaos, I love lack of structure. Then I look at your title with spread as the chief operating officer. <laughs> I'm here to bring structure. You know, <laughs> like, like, what's going on? Do you want to talk about that briefly? So, yeah. um, you know, in, in in the chaos and in the structure and in the whole um, the whole mantra of like only your mind can stop you. You know, mm. don't hold yourself back. Um, 
I, I, I did some consulting for Spread Bagel while I was with Garces, um, just like some simple stuff. And I realized that this brand is really strong. And, and what they're lacking is an operational, like, leader, mm. right? Mm-hmm. In, in my mind. And I was probably naive and probably didn't have all my ducks in a row and probably had no idea what they needed. But that's how I felt the, the, the couple of days I was here um, over, over a course of a couple of months. So I, I came to them. And he said, hey, man, I want to, why don't you let me open one of these things? <laughs> you know, which is really naive, too. And they're like, man, we, who are you again? Right. Um, <laughs> but I kept, always kept in contact. Yeah. Right. And, and uh, I, was, I was still grinding hard at, at Garces and, like, hopefully being really successful over there. I felt like I was. And, yeah. uh, you know, they finally, they, we finally reached a, a time where I was like, hey, this is a good time for our company. We're growing, just like Restaurant Unstoppable is growing. Right. Um, and we need a chief operating officer. We don't have one. And I was like, that's very interesting, you know? Um, so we started that conversation, and, and I'm thinking to myself, man, chief operating officer, I'm a chef. But in reality, this is what I've been doing my whole life, Yeah, right? So it's we- Yeah, so what's weird about my relationship with Brooks is that I'm privy to a lot of information because we're actually buddies. We actually pick up the, the phone at least once a year and say, hey, man, it's like what's once good? A, what- once every three months or so. Is it that often? <laughs> I think so. Oh, really? Well, good. I mean, but the thing is, I'm... I know some things. I don't know how much of what I know you want to be out there, right? Well, uh, throw it so out there. Talent. We can always edit it out. <laughs> yeah, right. But I remember one of and you told this to me when you when you took the job with Garces. Um, he was kind of in hot water at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, I don't know. I think it might have been bankruptcy or something well, along those lines. I can't remember. Exactly yeah, it was. What it was business. I don't know how much of this is public. I'm assuming that was probably public. When yeah, you it's all public, and you know, hot water is is you know. I don't know if I would term it that. Circumstances come up for every business yeah. that they have to navigate, right? And some of it goes public, some of it doesn't. But it's really all the same in, in many businesses. But and I know that was one of your concerns. Oh, it was a huge concern. Up. It was yeah. a huge concern. And it was a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Just like coming here was a leap of faith. I think everything you do in life is a leap of faith. But mm-hmm. if you don't take that leap, the price, you know, the I just read a quote the other day, the bill for regret is so so high yeah the bill for taking a chance is is but you're always willing to take the challenge you're always like there's never a challenge that's too big for you to take on you know yeah uh and like i think i remember the excitement in your voice too where you're like i got this though like i like you know we're gonna turn this shit around like we're gonna like we're gonna put we're gonna like the the name garces is gonna be better than ever before by the time i'm done with it i think it is I, i hope it is and you know but it doesn't change the work that goes into it right it's just your mindset so i walked into the kimmel center every day nauseous like how are we going to serve 2000 what was making you nauseous just the overall like I- i'm one person i'm leading a brigade of 80 people how are we going to serve paint two- the picture of how that was a big difference from where you came from well i was in a hotel i was at a hotel which is not too much different but um it's a little more structured as no far but as, you were at rock hill before that yeah well that was a brief stint but i was okay. at rock hill like doing gourmet pizzas before that <laughs> for a year yeah. right yeah that's good um but the leadership and the eye of the tiger mentality of like wanting to wanting to do something big for you, for another team, um, for your family, for your kids, like that never changes, right? Mm-hmm. We had big asp- I have big aspirations for Rock Hill. Um, everything we do in life, we got to do it one hundred twenty percent. You know, like Allen Iverson, Kobe Bryant. It's it's only practice, right? But it's not only practice. If you practice one hundred fifty percent, like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant do. And when you actually go to the game, the game's the easy part. Mm-hmm. 
practice is the hard part, right? Yeah. So every day I'd walk into the Kimmel Center in Nauseous, like the easy part of this is going to be executing this dinner for 2,000 people. The hard part is going to be the week prior getting all the mise en place done, getting all the preparation done. Not only, not only the food aspect, but the mental mise en place of your staff, getting their game faces on, but also letting them relax a little bit and like have some fun, right? Yeah. And that's what I'm kind of teaching wherever I go is, is you know, it's important to have fun, mm. but, but work your ass off, yeah, right? Man. And let's set these standards and have fun. Let's kick ass. Let's pay you as much as we can. Let's show you a little growth in our company and show you how you can get to where you need to go, even if it's not with our company, if it's with another company. Um, but work for a reason. You, you know, don't just come here and sling bagels or don't just come to Garces and be, be a chef if you don't, if you have no reason to. Mm -hmm. So what were your biggest challenges when you landed at Garces? When you had this new role, you've been away, you're away from the volume cooking for a while when you were because you got away from the hotel, sure. did Rock Hill. What were your biggest challenges when you landed at Garces? Oh, it's just, it's pretty much the same at every company. It's uh, who's this guy, right? And what's he, what's he going to do? What's he going to do for me? Right. So all, all the chefs, the whole team, hey, who's this guy? He sits in the office. He's the executive chef. Um, he's not going to help me. He's not going to do that. So, that you know, there was a little turnover. But once I started grinding with people, and it is a grind still. I'm never going to take away from that. I set the clipboard down. I got in there. I, ch I chopped 600 pounds of onions one day, right? I, so I just got in there and did some work. I scrubbed baseboards, cleaned garbage cans. And then slowly, these guys, everybody was like, wow, this guy's going to. He's going to work with us, right? Dude, I love what's happening right now because this is exactly what happened when you landed at Rock Hill. You were telling your story of what happened when you got there. You weren't cutting onions to prove your point when you got to Rock Hill. You were cleaning toilets, bro. Yeah, you're on. Yeah. You're scrubbing bathrooms. There's no job too small. But so, like, sometimes I do that just to, like, set the groundwork, set yeah. the bar. Like, There's nothing beneath me. Like, just go, go clean some garbage cans. It takes an hour of your day, but it really reverberates through your whole staff. Like, oh, my God, this guy's cleaning garbage cans, right? He's the executive chef of this big-time thing. And he's scrubbing garbage cans. And just doing certain things like that. Cleaning the coolers are one of my big things, too. I'm always in the coolers, like sweeping and mopping. And now, people might be listening to this and going to themselves, that's not what a COO or a executive chef should be doing. That's not good use of an executive chef's time. Yes, yes and no. You're not oh, doing I this all I disagree the time, wholeheartedly. But you're not doing it all the time, is my No, I'm not, I'm not the sole you know, walk-in cleaner, yeah. but I'm setting the bar. Exactly. So, you know, I make a conscious effort every week, even every day, five, 10 minutes, an hour, whatever it is. Um, you know, don't go have lunch. Go, go scrub the garbage can. But you're, right? not, like, but you're <laughs> not just scrubbing the garbage can is my point. No, I'm, I'm out there with the people. I'm exactly. out with our people. They're, they're the one that makes this company. It's yes. not me. Yes. I work for them, you know, and that's a, that's a huge thing um, th that, I think people forget is, you know, especially here, you know, as a leader, you work for your team. Yeah. You, they don't work for you, man. Do you <laughs> remember the Brooks, the Brooks style? Oh, Do you remember us talking about this? <laughs> what, seven, five years I was, ago? No, I was just listening. Yeah, no, but I just listened but, to it this morning to hit me. What, what is it? So you're just dropping gold on us. And it was around this time in the conversation where you were talking about, you know, just turning a culture around or getting in there and earning respect. And the Brooks style is personal sacrifice, i.e., 
cutting 50 pounds of onions. Right? I don't, I don't I, see that as a sacrifice. Okay, well, let me just go through but, it. <laughs> yeah, but skipping lunch and scrubbing a garbage can yeah, might, exactly. might be seen as a, yeah, a sacrifice. I hear you. So yeah. personal sacrifice. Getting, getting a, a support group was the next part. Taking an interest in others and having their backs and building a culture through building relationships. Yeah, and, that, and that's totally, I mean, that, nothing's changed there. Mm. And, and in fact, you know, I mentioned earlier, I'm diving deeper down that rabbit hole as, as far as, um, you know, making sure that people have a livable compensation, making sure you understand what, what they need, um, and, and smiling with people and joking with them, but keeping the standards high, right? And, and sometimes that means when you stop at, you know, we have 10, 10 locations now, so I'll stop in a location to talk to a general manager, and then I'll find myself, like, joking with the barista and, and making some coffees, um, it also means be humble, man, you know, understand what, what, what your team needs, what they want. And sometimes while you're scrubbing those garbage cans, that's when the, that's when the real talk, everybody kind of lets their guard down and that's when real talk happens. Right. And, uh, it's been great. You know, our retention here is, is I have people knocking down the door to work here. But what's the point? Well, why is it good to get people to, to, to open up and get to that point of real talk? Why is, is it? Because now they're working for a reason. Okay. Right. And it goes back to that full circle of like, why are you working here? And they're like, okay, now the, the management knows I want to be a carpenter mm. in two years. They know I don't want to be the CEO of spread bagelry. Right. Um, so every day we talk about, I, I talk to Tim, Tim, you know, how's the carpenter thing going? Do yeah. you need to leave work early certain days to go do that? Yeah. And, and like almost like a big brother, like Keep it, keeping that pulse high. Also, like, spreads growing, right? Spreads, spreads. You know, might need maybe someday like a a, a crew that goes and goes and opens restaurants tomorrow, so, man. Yeah, like you so, know? like that. Now we have a vertical growth for you. There's the yeah. next, the yeah. next stage. But you don't know unless you stand shoulder to shoulder, unless you you make people get comfortable around you, and they get to the point where they can open up sure. and tell you like you take an interest in them. And, and I think for the longest time, like we looked at people as being so just. Uh, disposable, right? That when there was an abundance of people, everybody needed jobs and the, the restaurant industry was like such a, it still is to this day, like a huge provider of jobs, but there's more jobs out there than ever before. Yeah. Uh, we're competing for these people harder than ever before. So we can't just look at like, we got to do what we can to, to hang on to people. And the best way to hang on to somebody is to, to take an interest in them. But not only that, like it's interesting. Yeah, it's actually like we're in the people business, yeah. man. So like, yeah. I love organizing and talking to people. Yeah, right. I probably yeah. should be a psychiatrist. I don't know. But my <laughs> wife, my wife. Anyway, um, well, like I love knowing what Tim wants to do. I love, I love he- backpedal out of the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love, I love hearing his story. Yeah. Right. I, I love like the definition of greatness in my mind is how you motivate others. Yeah. Right. So I, I've had a couple people after their interview uh, with me. I, I was interviewing for a while. I was helping out the talent acquisition guy. And I was like, you think you want to take the job? And they're like, I want to run through a brick wall for you right now. Talking about spread now, right? Yeah. 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 Um, But like, I I want to know like why you're here, man. And I don't think a lot of people ask that. I've had a lot of people leave conversations with me for the first time that they've met me. And they're like, no one's really asked me that. Right. Mm. I've been a cook for 12 years. No one's really asked me like, what am I doing? Mm. Right. And sometimes we dive deep. Some people say, hey, I'm a father, a single father of two kids. And then we get real. We're very transparent. Like, those kids are the most important thing in your life right now. Yeah. Right? How is this job going to help you support them? How is this job going to help you be the best? 
dad you can ever be in your life. Yeah, there's there's still an element to to what we're talking about right now. At the core of what we're talking about is getting getting on the floor, getting shoulder to shoulder, doing the work with people, listening, sure. taking an interest. But there's I think the other big part of this is that you you also start to get people to, that people aren't gonna feed you bullshit anymore. No, they don't got time, man. Yeah, you're gonna if you if you earn people's trust, they're gonna tell you exactly what's wrong with whatever role they're in. But that's good information. That's data. Because yeah. like, if you just assume everything's fine, if you're not getting on the floor, if you're not listening, you're just going to assume everything's fine in that role. But they're going to tell you what's wrong. They're going right. to tell you from their, from, the, from their point of view, from the user point of view, from my role, this is what could be better. And I, wa- I want to make a, a quick caveat to that. Um, being present is, is important, right? Working shoulder to shoulder. But, but being, being there the entire time. Don't just come in for two hours, right? Spend a day with people. Spend a week with someone. Um, and, and, like, be present the entire time. Don't check out because you got emails to, to run. You know, you're in a position now where you can do emails and be present at the same time, right? Push yourself. I'm pushing myself every day, <clears throat> excuse me, to, to be present and, and somehow get my work done while being present, right? And... and that's that's hard to do sometimes, but I put that at the forefront. Yeah. And I mean, I can speak firsthand to this. Not only were you a guest on my show, I don't know why we hit it off, but we hit it off. Apparently, you thought I was an all right dude because you reached yeah. back out to me. I think it was like, the beard. Oh, is it the beard? It's a little shorter <laughs> right now. I think I should probably grow it back up. But um, I've had the, the, the privilege of, of, of spending a couple of days with you, man. Yeah. We, I, I, I can't remember. We I think couch we, surf for a while. Yeah, I think. man. Yeah. Like, you, um, you were, hey, like, I'm going to this farmer's thing. I think you just randomly reached out to me like I'm going to this farmers thing. You yeah. want to, you want to come? I think it was Automala Farms. Yeah, Automala but like, Farms. but like you know, it's Big I'm, farm. I'm glad you mentioned that because your team is made up of so much more than just the frontline people. Yeah. yeah, you know that they're a huge part of it, right? But then you got your purveyors, your farmers, the guy that brings you wood. You got your number one loyalty customer that's like here every single day, that that always gives you time and money for for your product. Uh, and that that person um, is also part of your team, if you think about it, right? Um, so being present for all of those people. When we went to that farm, like I had a smile on my face all day, but I think so did the farmers. Yeah. Because they're like, oh my gosh, Brooks is here, right? Let's, let's have some fun. Ooh, everybody has. That was such a great time. But like we, I, I, I drove from New Hampshire to Philly. Uh, met up with you. I think I left my car there. We drove your car. I think it was Virginia, right? No. No, but, but you were in Philly. Oh, okay. So I, I drove from New Hampshire to Philly. Okay. We carpooled from Philly to Virginia. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, yeah. And, nice. and then we couch surfed on your buddy's couch. <laughs> yeah, he right. told me to stop calling my interface in a, uh, um, uh, oh, uh, what the fuck is it called? Mixer. He's like, this is not a mixer, bro. It's oh, because my other buddy was like a yeah. like an audio-visual <laughs> yeah. guy. So get for, your terms right if you want right. to be a professional. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. He was a big audio-visual <laughs> yes, guy this, for, like, this is an for like musicians. Yeah. yeah right. uh, but the point is, like, what I'm trying to reinforce is that you like you take the time to be present with people. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why we still keep in touch is because I we, you took the time to invest in me to learn more about me. We had, we're on a car ride from Philadelphia to to, to Virginia, what was it like five or six hours or something like that? Sure. And we went to a farm together, and we we like we we will be friends for life. Yeah, totally. You know, and I think we 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 are so fast paced, transactional with the people that we come in contact with every day. You didn't have to reach out to me. You didn't have to invite me on that trip. You didn't have to t- take the time to want to get to know me. Yeah. You know, but here I am, five years later, 
and I'm continuing to share your story. So like when you take time to, when you take an interest in other people, they're only going to take more of an interest in you. Sure. And, um, you know, I also, I also want to talk about time a little bit, right? Um, time is one of those commodities that like, you you know, you have a lot of it until you don't. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know why, but there's a switch in me that's, that flicked a long time ago. Um, but, you know, and I'm, I'm so thankful that like, I don't want to waste time. Mm. Like I want to hang out with Eric because he, he inspires me to be a better chef, a better father, a better, a better restaurateur. I'm a dad, but I'll right? take that. No, no, but it doesn't matter if you're a dad. Yeah. You inspire me to be a, a better person. Thank you. Right. I want to hang out with the farmers, the Automata farm guys, guys, cause they inspire me to be better. Right. I, I want to hang out with my team at spread bagelry because to be quite frankly, um, I've been lucky enough to have a team that's way better than I am right now. And they're pushing me, right, to be better. And, and really, um, all of these guys are, are pushing me and investing in me um, to be better, whether they know it or not. And, and I'm just taking all those nuggets. And there's a lot of wrong decisions I make, right? There's a lot of right ones. Um, but we're making those decisions together, and, and we're going for it. And yeah. we, you can always pivot, man. But you got to make the decisions. You got to take the time. Use your time, man. Be yeah. involved. Yeah. Right? And, and, and use your time to be with people in real life, you know, yeah. in, in front of each other. And like you could use, you could choose to email people if you want to get information or like use Slack or whatever, or you can go, go talk to them, go be with sure. them. Right. And I think we're moving in this world where there's the, there's so many people that are so using technology to be more productive. And sometimes we take the path of least resistance to get the job done. And I worry about that sometimes because at the end of the day, like we are still people. We still yeah. need human things like human contact and face in FaceTime. It know? really, it really isn't art how you interact with people nowadays. Um, and we have a little bit of that as we're building this corporate structure to handle all these build outs. There's a lot of emails flying nowadays. Right? Yeah. And sometimes I, sometimes I'm the guy that's like, and maybe it's just because I can't keep up with all the emails. <laughs> Sometimes I'm the guy like, um, I need you two to talk to each other, right? Because you're on the same page, but you're a little bit different. And they're like, what do you mean by that? And it's like, I don't know. I just feel, I, that's how I feel, right? Um, and usually your gut intuition is the best one. And typically those people will be like, oh man, Brooks wants us to chat. So they chat and they're always, you know, the first five minutes is like, I don't know why Brooks wants us to chat. But then after a half hour, I see them both walk out with smiles. I can just see in their eyes, like they've reset. They're on the same page. Whether they think they are or they don't, I can, I can see that, right? They walk with a little bit different posture. They, they walk with a little bit more vigor. Um, they kind of come out talking about their plan for the next week or month or year. And um, it's important. It's really, really important that you talk to them. But it's also, as your companies get big, um, it's hard to do that. Right, because there's there's thousands of employees that you have. So so how do you do that? And that's where the art comes in. You got to pick and choose. I I make a conscious effort every single day at work and in my personal life. Reach out to people, um, whether it's five. There's not really a number, but I, when I'm going to bed at night or like when things settle down, I'll grab my phone. Like who have I talked to in a little bit? Right, and I'll send them a message. Say hey man, just thinking about you. Mm. And usually that sparks something, whether it's the next week or two weeks later. Um, you do that to me sometimes, Eric, right? Hey, I just want to say hi. And we might not talk for that whole week, but then like the next week when 
when the when the fray slows down and be like, shit, I gotta text Eric, man. You, you well, we, we live in this world right now where so much is determined by algorithms and by expediency and streamlining and lowering costs. And I think it's important that we we find that balance. You know, like I'm in in a world where everyone's chasing algorithms and trying to be do more with less time. There's a huge. I think there's a huge opportunity to be in, intentionally slow, and in, yeah. to, to intentionally sit down and take a two hour long conversation versus a forty five minute conversation. Yeah, you know. And when you're intentional with your time and the people in your life, that that hits harder. There's impact there. Um, and I think you're just so good at that of 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 recognizing value in people and then saying let's let's build a friggin' relationship. Let's let's. And and that love being like 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 I don't know like just pushing your love into like very specific directions you know yeah. like <laughs> too many directions sometimes <laughs> um, we get a lot of it to give man it, well it's also a double edged sword and and I've, I've learned a little bit as my in my role here that because um, I give I'm, I'm very altruistic I give everybody the, the, as many shots as they need right because um, I truly feel that I was blessed to have a lot of opportunities when, when I was younger. Mm. And I want to give those opportunities. I'm in a position now to pass those opportunities on. What was the best opportunity you had when you were younger? What is that? Give us an example of the opportunity you're blessed for. Um, I, I was blessed with g- giving a large amount of work to do, you know, when, when the chefs realized there's no one to do it. Let's see if Brooks can do it, right? <laughs> like, Brooks is the last man standing. Here, yeah. Brooks, can you do this? Yeah. <laughs> can you order all this food? Do you know how to do all that? <laughs> can you interview all these people? Opportunity to prove yourself. Right. And um, so so to do that, I do that with all my staff, uh, all our team here, too, and at Garces. Give them opportunities to do that. And some people want it, some people don't. But giving them those opportunities, letting them grow. Um, sometimes they fail, man. And And... Sometimes it doesn't work out, and sometimes they don't want to be here. They don't want those opportunities, and that's fine, and they move on, and, and that's great. I love it, and I'm happy for them, and I'll, I'll help them as much as I can in their next opportunity. But the people that do want those stay, right? And then we hire people that come on board our team, and they want those opportunities. And now you have this culture of everybody that wants opportunities. Also, promoting some of your people into positions that they may not be ready for, quote, unquote. I really hate that terminology. What do you mean by that? You know, I've done a little bit of it here, but some people are like, oh, so-and-so, they're a great employee, but they're not ready for management. How do you know, man? <laughs> like, they're not ready for They don't have experience in that. They can't do that. And for me, um, I really, really despise that. Why? Um, because I feel like that's an old mentality. I feel like that's the old brigade system coming in so i don't i don't really care how old you are if you have mastered the position you're in now whether you have experience or not i'm putting you in the next position you can't grow unless you've been (laughs) pushed that's right unless you've been pushed to grow and i'm going through this right now with restaurant unstoppable dude like i'm scared shit right now i've almost i'm pretty much overextended myself you shouldn't swear by the way i'm sorry she's standing right over my shoulder (laughs) she's (laughs) Uh, I, I'm like I'm scared right now. You're on camera, by the way. We got you. <laughs> um, I'm scared because I've overextended myself, and but I did it on purpose. But you know you what? Gotta, you gotta jump. You gotta exactly. take the leap. You're right where you need to be. Yeah. And and if you haven't overextended yourself a little bit, 
then then you're not pushing hard enough. Exactly. But you know? point being, so I've over I'll finish the thought. I've overextended. Sorry, I got these like I got ten thousand dollars worth of video equipment. If you ever see me walking down the street, don't take my backpack. It's my livelihood, please. Right. Yeah. But like I, you know, like and I have I've just outsourced a videographer. You know, but I'm but I also believe that like everyone else right now is trying to do more digital, more digital, more digital. I'm gonna go the other way. I'm gonna spend ten times as much money on every episode to have FaceTime with somebody to be in the same room with somebody because I believe there's magic there and I'm and it's my belief in it but I overextended and I'm confident that that's going to pay off right because the point I'm trying to make is if you don't get uncomfortable if you don't take those leaps if you don't I don't know how to use this cameras every day I'm like restaurant uncomfortable but right but the thing is (laughs) you're likely your employees won't take that leap so you got to kind of like a like a mama bird kick their ass out of the nest sure but, you know, but that's a, it's an art. It's going back to, it's going back to um, working with people, right? This whole conversation revolves around people, and, and you don't want to push someone that doesn't want it. But if you do believe in someone, wholeheartedly believe in that person, um, and, and, and you put them in that role, back them up. Mm-hmm. Put in the work. Mm-hmm. Grind with them. Mm-hmm. Teach them. Mm-hmm. Let them fail, but let them succeed. Go through the whole process with them. And if you can't personally, put the structure in place to do that. Yeah. Because what you don't want is that person to, to get third degree burns because they did so well in their last position, you just assume they would keep growing. You can't make that assumption. Yeah. So earlier today, I love referencing, I, I probably reference Maslow's hierarchy of needs way too often. Um, but when you look at that, uh, you mentioned earlier that you're, you're taking it further uh, this idea of working with people and learning about them. Um, but you're also saying like, now it's more about like, be not just within the four walls of this restaurant, but what do you need in your life? Where are you going? Like where, where, what's your, beyond this restaurant, what's your destination? And beyond this restaurant, like I'm giving you a paycheck, but do you have enough, do you have enough to take care of your family? Are you getting paid? Like, are, do you, do you have the, the fiscal security you need beyond that? But now we're talking about the next level of needs with Maslow's hierarchy needs. We're talking about growth. We're talking about the, 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 the feeling like people are growing. People need to feel like they're growing. If they plateau, they'll get depressed. They'll get, yeah. you know, bored. They'll move, they'll go someplace else. But if you are ahead of it, if you say, Hey, you've been here. I, I see something in you. I recognize your value. I believe in you. I'm going to force you to grow. And it sucks at first because it's scary and painful. Nobody likes change. It doesn't suck. It's just it's just work. Yeah, <laughs> like get your get your butt in early and like and like spend time with these people and 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 invest in this person. You yeah. know, it's all an investment, whether it's sweat equity or or whatever. Like you're investing in this in these people, yeah. and you know you can't promote everybody. So you're gonna have some people that are ready and that want it. Yeah, and that man, you want to put them there, and you're like, I I, I don't know what to do, right? So, you know, you got to get creative. Um, and also, you have to be ready to build everybody up and let them fly elsewhere, right? And be excited for them. I think, have, have real excitement. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think it's, I, I say this all the time, I think your goal as a restaurateur is to try to push people out of your restaurant by giving them the skills and the opportunities. But usually what, it's, what ends up happening is they don't go. Because, you know, like, you, but you're thinking, like, where do you want to go? I'm going to help you get there. But it will end, usually what ends up happening is they, they, you, they find that opportunity with you. 
Uh, to, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. If you're a great leader and you can be creative Or if they do go to, on, they're going to talk to a bunch of other people that say you should go work for this person. Sure, sure. And it comes back in different forms. Back to your timeline, back to your story. You're with uh, Garces. Fuck. <laughs> you did good. You caught yourself. <laughs> no. You caught yourself. Garces. <laughs> I didn't do it one time. Um, so you're with Garces. Uh, the pandemic hits. You're uh, basically an events chef. Yeah. Catering chef. Yeah. Uh, this is 2020 now. You got you joined them in 2018. Two years later, yep. you're, you 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 build up your team. You're humming along. You're killing it. Oh man, we were we were like we were like an eight cylinder. Oh, we were we were killing it. I, I'll never forget that month. I know we, you're so busy. I we I, were like I would, I would drive through town and be like, hey, I'm gonna come say hi, and you're like, I I can't. I feel, <laughs> no, I mean we uh, I was flying high. We were doing food that. Um, you know, the, the catering department hadn't seen in a while. I feel like we were really pushing the envelope. I feel like we had a little bit of a following. Everybody walked out of the Kimmel Center with their chin up mm. and like we had a little bit of clout. Um, I would go to some other restaurants and they'd be like, oh, chef's here, you know, and I was like, oh, wow. My wife's like, wow, you know, like um, and we were we were really going for it, man. And uh, I, I was so fired up about that. And I was really getting into the I was really just honing my food skills at that point because the infrastructure was built. My team was great. I had, there, was, there was many better chefs in there than me, um, but I was just working on how to, hopefully I was the best leader, so I was trying to, trying to lead and trying to get everybody going and elsewhere or becoming the next executive chef or whatever they were doing. And then uh, pandemic hit. And then all of a sudden it was like, you know, one email was like, hey, all our sales just... Everybody canceled. <laughs> right? Then the then the performing arts building shut down, right? Um, and then luckily, uh, Chef Jose has like you know a bunch of other restaurants, so everybody had to quickly downscale. And um, I ended up with the executive pastry chef, um, the culinary director, uh, you know, a bunch of executive level culinary people working the line. In one of his restaurants <laughs> so that was like too many leaders in one spot oh, oh like, what was oh, that like oh, well, that's like, a good point what happens when you have too many leaders in one spot actually you know we were all we were all really humble so yeah um we probably all wanted to kill each other on the inside <laughs> but i'll never forget like the first night you know I, I was working the line it was like it was like myself and the culinary director and we had no idea what we were doing it was all online at that point yeah right and we're like a fine dining restaurant we don't know how to like plate shit to go yeah um, like i think everybody, it in the box. everybody went through that yeah. right yeah. um but i remember like you know they turned on the online thing and we thought we were going to cook like a few burgers or whatever and like all of a sudden I, I think by the end of the night i had like my forearms were all burned we cooked like <laughs> i cook i cooked on my station like 97 burgers right <laughs> like live fire yeah it was, it was crazy dude and uh and then we, we obviously, we didn't have a dishwasher. So, oh, right. Fuck. So we were, <laughs> yeah, so we got done and we're like. At least you weren't washing plates. Oh, we were washing them all, dude. But you were doing a lot to go, right? Oh, yeah, yeah to yeah, go. Yeah, 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 that's right. But like, you know, we, we weren't, um, obviously, like, we weren't the seasoned line cook. Yeah. So there's like dishes everywhere. <laughs> getting rushed, getting rusty. Um, but but it, that really, you know, and then from kind of from that point on, we got. We got a little wings underneath us and we started hiring people back and, you know, we just put people on leave and paid them vacation time and like we, we did the best we could. Um, but I think I did an episode with you in between about, about the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, what was it called? Uh, we, I, I did. I was doing like five or ten 
interviews a day. They're all short, like 15, 20 minute yeah. interviews, just to try to get perspective of what different people were doing. I call it the Corona Chronicles. But I, I remember saying this, and I, I still truly believe that here, you know, the Corona kind of is, is everyday life. But I think I said to you, or the title of my episode was, uh, restaurants are best prepared to handle something like this. Right. right. And, and it's because of the chaos that we deal with every day. Yeah. I remember everybody was crying about all the, you know, the restaurants, ah, you know, what are we going to do, and all this stuff. And, and in my mind, we were actually prepared better than, than everybody else. Yeah. yeah, there was some fallout. But you know what? There was also some promotions that happened. There was some people that stayed on. Um, everybody that wanted to work, you know, I'd say 95% of them stayed, right? And, and, and we did what we could, and we scrapped through it because um, we're prepared for that. We deal with that every service, every night. You know, maybe not something that to that scale, but but that's what we do. Mm. That's our livelihood. So I bring it here too <clears throat> to spread bag over you. You know, there, there's nothing can stop us. You want? Let me tell you a brief story about my first week here. If you look out to our left, there's the Schuylkill River. So Philadelphia has two rivers: Delaware River and the Schuylkill River. Yeah, and in between those rivers is the city of Philadelphia. We happen to be on the border of, of one river and. Um, it flooded my first week here. I think it was, uh, Jacob, do you remember Hurricane something came through? Anyway, there was a hurricane in the south. Um, flooded. 65 cars in the parking lot were. This is 2021. When 2021, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. that's when you joined uh, in August of 2021. So it would have been August. So I think it was like early September. Okay. Um, this river flooded for the first time in like 80 years. And, and there's a huge parking lot down there. 65 cars were covered in water totaled. Oh, man. But in the basement of this building is our commissary kitchen where we prepare all the bagels for all the restaurants. I think I remember this. We, we prepare, you know, upwards of 60,000 bagels a week downstairs and, and deliver them, right? And there, were, there was waist-high water in the basement, and it ruined every piece of equipment, every walk-in cooler, every condenser. Like, and... Uh, we said, fuck, what are we going to do? You know, just, what are we going to do? Swore. Are we going to close all our restaurants, <laughs> right? I think it's the second F-bombing drops now. You're yeah, no more trouble, F-bombs. Dude. No more F-bombs. <laughs> um, but that was, a, that was a really pivotal point for our company because we could have folded and, um, and really um, not recovered from that, mm, yeah. right? Um, but, we, but we stayed open. I think we closed all the restaurants for like three days. And we made it happen. I called every friend, every farmer. I'm surprised I didn't call you. <laughs> like, I think you did. I knew. Oh, uh, uh, did I? We talked. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember this. Like, I called everybody I knew. Every, every chef in Philadelphia that I knew. Like, can you guys help us? Can I make bagels in your basement? Can I make, can I make some bagels in your kitchen? Can I do that? And um, we got back open. Yeah. And, uh, but, dude, I need to come in and come full circle now. But this is, I think, because you you do take such an interest in other people. Because you're constantly reaching out to other people and asking, like, learning about them, seeing what they need and blah, 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 blah. When you need something, you, you can turn around. There's so many channels open willing to help you because of it. And I think that's such a – when you take the time to give an F about other people, when it's time for somebody to give an F about you, the there's just abundance. Yeah. And um, I need – you know, I need a lot of F's sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I've realized that <clears throat> I'm not in this alone. All, all the people we just talked about, all the mm-hmm. chefs that came in my life, um, I, I use them every day. Yeah. You know, you know, to either 
inspire me or or for like real talk like hey is this piece of equipment something i should buy or not right and they'll be like that's the dumbest thing i've ever seen or like i have one you should buy it yeah i still talk to, to that's the whole purpose of this podcast yeah exactly <laughs> i still talk to like uh jose not jose but some of his some of his people um you know about like certain strategies garcinians yeah garcinians certain strategies that that they're doing that i've heard through through other people and like how they might benefit us so um man it never stops and if they need me or if you need me I'll, i'm there you know mm-hmm. if we can make it work I'll, I'll come grind with you too so that is the you just distilled the essence of what i'm trying to do here man it's just to get people to talk and share information and come together where there's so much there's strength in numbers man we can we can only go so far by ourselves but if we come together and what i'm trying to do with this podcast is getting the whole industry to come together to say this is what i'm doing this is how i did and this is how i did to give the industry a perspective and uh, i mean i think we we can literally trans- transform the industry if we just start coming together and sharing knowledge and sharing I, th- perspective. I think we already are man. what's happening you know um i know a lot of people that that know about your podcast Dude, I was yeah. on the elevator the other day <laughs> in New York City. Somebody was like, are you Eric? And I was like, I literally said, I was like, you, you bust my fucking balls right, right now? Right, yeah. <laughs> but we are, um, you know, as we set the plateaus in our respective fields, you you with this, right? You're never stopping because yeah. you're, you're like so inspired by the grind. You just said you invested 10 grand, right? And you're going to keep investing. I know you, you're not, you're not going to stop. Um I'm going to keep doing the same, right? And and I think the rest of the industry is doing the same. And together, we we kind of, we, we hoist this industry back up. Um, and, and I think the industry as a whole is, is humbled and, and really more focused than ever pre-pandemic on what people want, right? And, and how to get that to them. Um, so, you know, I, I think I just listened to a talk with uh, Daniel Balud and... Um, they're doing the same things we're doing. Was that the interview? Um, there was a podcast that you guys sponsored. Uh, yeah, an event. That, uh, was it that conversation? Yeah, I'll, I'll do a, qu- a quick, uh, a quick shout out to the Philly Chefs Conference at Drexel University. Um, they're doing some great things over there. They get some great, great people. And uh, you know, I went three years ago, and I realized that this is like a gold mine that not a lot of people know about. So what's, what's this? The, the, the Philly the, chefs conference guy. and they're bringing in Daniel Balud and Will Gardera and the guys from Noma and uh, <laughs> like you name it. Right. And I'm like, I'm shoulder to shoulder with these guys and they're passing on nuggets to me and I'm taking all those nuggets and um, applying those to my life, to, to QSR, to bagels, to Garces, like wherever it is, you know? Um, Cause I feel like the industry as a whole, Service is different at every place, but like what you're trying to achieve is the same. And that's make people happy, make your staff happy, make the customers happy. However you do that, um, I, I truly believe you'll make a ton of money doing that if you if you're if you're a good a good leader. Mm. Right? Mm. So. Dude, I'm loving the conversation. We're gonna take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back to talk about how the opportunity for spread kind of came your way and the the, the pivot from Garces to spread. This episode is brought to you by Pop Menu. Look, I don't need to explain to you that restaurants have been hit hard over the past few years, which means restaurant owners and their staff have been working harder than ever. Trying to meet the demands of in-person hospitality can be demanding, which is why I recommend Pop Menu Answering. Pop Menu Answering turns every restaurant phone call into an opportunity. This is because it uses artificial intelligence to answer the simple questions that are tying up your phone lines like, 
can I make a reservation? Or where are you located? Or what are your hours? And over 50% of restaurant guests are happy to have their questions answered by an automated system. Within the pop menu platform, you can customize answers for your restaurant and choose the voice your guests hear and even send follow-up links via text message. Pop menu answering picks up your phone call 24-7, 365 days a year, allowing you and your team to focus on what matters most, your guests in-house. The time is now to prevent lost customers and impress your guests with pop menu answering. And for a limited time, my listeners can get $100 off your first month plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. Go now to get $100 off your first month and learn more about pop menus, full collection of tools at popmenu.com backslash unstoppable. We're back. And during the break, Brooks was worried that we we're rambling too much. Do you think we're, I, I mean, I wish I could get an answer from our listeners right now, but I dude, we do have an intern sitting off camera right now. He thinks we're doing a great job, but why, why are you worried that we're rambling right now? What's going through? Your mind? Well, I guess, I guess the point I'm trying to make through all this is, um, you know, be, be there, be present, right? Like if you think you have to hire a consultant, um, think about that again. I'm not saying don't hire that person, but like, are you spending enough time there? Right. And if the answer is no, um, then like you might have to rethink some stuff if, if it's your business. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but but the the point is, and, and look, I'm not the end all be all. Neither are you, and neither is Daniel Balud or these people we've talked about on this podcast. Right? These these high end chefs, we don't have Dude, all the answers. I'd even go as far as saying that I think the media that we that we think that these people have all the answers. We hold a lot of these names that you held that you mentioned on a pedestal. Yeah. Um, they're great people. Don't get me wrong. I don't know them. I've never oh, met f- them. Dude, they're phenomenal. Yeah, but at the same time, there's a lot of people who get held up on pedestals. I'll use. There's a lot of sick people in the industry that work so hard, and the reason why they're the best is because they sacrifice so much. Yeah. And I don't know if we should be holding these people on pedestals. I don't know if if that's a good. We shouldn't all be aiming for what a lot of these people have sacrificed to be where they are. I couldn't agree with that statement more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, but there's a fuck. I did it again. That balls are rolling right now. <laughs> but there's a problem. There's an effort problem because we're all out to try to achieve what only a few people can achieve. But those people, at the end of the day, they go, "Why did I do this? Yeah. I'm here, but why? I've missed so much because yeah. I have." all this stuff, all this recognition, at the end of the day, it does not matter. What matters is the relationships. Who shows up at your funeral? Who's there when, you, with, when you're sick and you can't work? That's the shit that matters. Right, and I guess, I guess that you make a great point, and, and I, I wanna retract what I said a little bit because being there can happen in a myriad of ways. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, be intentional, mm. right? When you're there, utilize that time. When you speak to someone, speak to them with intention. Choose your words wisely. Like, like, do it for a reason, right? And if you can't be there, make sure you set up a structure in your place where the people you do have there are doing those things for you. If you show me a path right now to Daniel Balud or Brooks Tanner, I'm taking the Brooks Tanner path. Well, you are. No offense, you're my boy. No but. offense, Daniel. Um, I've heard good things about you, but I'm yeah. taking I because I feel like it's people like you who are in it every day who are the voices that need to be heard, you know? Um, because what Daniel experiences every day, not that's, that's not relatable. 
You know well, what I'm saying? But, but Daniel was me at some point. Yeah, that's a good point. Right? That's so, good like, point. I'm just in, like, you know, I, I could only hope I'm as successful as he is. And I'm, and I'm, you know, but these all of these guys, these super successful chefs, um, were in the same spot I was in. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm saying don't let your mind hold you back. Because I'm on that same path. Yeah. I'm, uh, you know. I don't know if being famous isn't my thing, but like if I if I do become famous, fantastic, right? Or, I mean, or you are maybe, a repeat guest on restaurant, or maybe, or so maybe, you basically made it. Or yeah. maybe like maybe it'd be the worst thing ever. <laughs> but the fact is, all they did is they were so inspired by the grind, yeah. right? They just grinded, mm-hmm. and and that like they were successful before they were quote unquote successful because they loved and what they did so much and they were so passionate about it and they put the time in to invest in their people. They did all the things we're talking about mm-hmm. and you can see them reaping the benefits now. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. So another thing that we mentioned during the first conversation, um, when you were on the show, I think I got a pretty clear image of where you wanted to be. It sounded like you wanted to be an owner. That was your goal to own sure. a restaurant. Yeah. Um, you went from saying that to working with Garces. Now you're with spread, but I do remember, maybe this is an overshare. I do remember you saying that you were super excited. I remember when you called me, you said, there's this company spread bagelry they're doing amazing yeah. stuff and i'm super excited i think i might i think i might open spread bagels i think i might yeah. invest in this i think yeah. I, I think i might be a franchise franchisor sure right yeah uh which so you were about to become an owner that was the goal and then that's you mentioned I, earlier well that's how i landed this job yeah like, so take us to that point yeah so um I, I did some consulting here and then i was like oh my gosh this is like the best bagel i've ever had right and then in my mind i i swear to god like the first like uh, something in my mind, I saw the cover of New York Times and it said, Brooklyn bagels move over. Philadelphia bagels are, are coming. Well, Philadelphia so, bagels, these bagels are Montreal bagels, aren't they? Right, but it's like a, it's like a hybrid, gotcha, right? Gotcha. Yeah, so, you know, it's not, or we didn't all grow up in Montreal, yeah, right? Yeah. So um, it's, a, it's really a Montreal style, we yeah. call it. So it's a little bit of a cross between Montreal and what everybody knows as New York, hopefully soon to be known as Philadelphia, mm. right? Um, but, you know, you hear all this stuff about, ah, oh, it's in the water, this and that. This is all a farce, right? Um, but I, like, I feel like I just, I feel like I landed at the end of the rainbow, right? And I'm like, here's this bagel. And the bagel's fantastic. But I'm, a, that, I'm soon to have one. I can't wait. Not only is the bagel, like, the bagel's great. I would, I would, for me, I'd give it, like, a 9 out of 10, right? Even a 10 out of 10. Who knows? Um, but number two, the bagel sandwiches. Are like level twenty, like they are, and, and it's not because they put a lot of stuff on it. It's because what the ingredients we use are fantastic. The bacon, it's like the thickest cut bacon you'll ever see. I saw the photos. People, oh. people call us like, "How can you afford to do that?" It's like, "How can we afford not to do that?" Well, are right? you? I think maybe we'll get to that later, but like, I'm sure you're charging what they're worth. Too. Yeah, they're expensive. Yeah. They're expensive. Don't be afraid so, to charge. Be no, the best. They're totally expensive. People will pay for it if you're the best. And you know, there's there's mounds of eggs and Cooper cheese. And if you don't know what Cooper, I haven't had breakfast yet, Brooks. If you don't out. know what Cooper <laughs> cheese is, like get, get on the Cooper cheese train. But, oh, man. Um, so I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, these things are like so good. This is yeah. the best bagel I've ever had in my life. My mouth's watering right now. Honestly, best bagel I've ever had in my life, right? Mm-hmm. And um, not only that. They're, they're cooking bagels in a wood-fired oven, which brings the craft aspect, the artisanal aspect. So it's not just bagels going in a, in a convection oven in the back and, like, coming out and getting dumped in bins. There's a, there's a 
man or woman, a baker that comes in like at three in the morning and builds this fire from wood mm. and like boils the bagels in a honey solution and then bakes them, right? With a pizza peel. Is that what makes it Montreal style is the honey solution? Uh, yeah, there's a couple other in the things, wood fire, but I, I can't tell you about everything. Oh, but, right, right, right. Um, but yeah, those are two big aspects. So like, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so like you know, and I'm thinking to myself, this business model's crazy. Like, someone comes in and orders four dozen, like you, we could be screwed because so, the sorry. baker's just cooking. You know, there's not like a, a slew of ovens where you're just throwing sheet trays. Yeah. In. So it was super intriguing to me because because it, it wasn't your normal business model for like a bagel shop, right? Um, and it actually is like, it, what is it, the normal business model for a bagel shop? I think it's just slamming it, you volume, know, boil them and cook them in the ovens. And like the bagel sandwiches are great. The bagels are great, but there's no wood fire. Like it's almost like an art here. You know, we're, we're really, really cooking here. dude. <laughs> like yeah. if, if the wood's wet, if the, you know, whatever, if your damper is not open, there's so many things, so many variables. Some of our know. ovens don't even have gas assists. Oh, yeah. So it's like all wood. And, and that's like a it, full-time job, right? That that's a skilled position, right? There, you 100%. can't throw somebody off the street nope. and, and give them a job cooking and say, "Okay, just manage this fire, yep. maintain it at 900 degrees or whatever yep. the temperature is." Like that, I love cooking with fire. Maintaining heat with with a live fire is not easy. Thing so this archaic like style of cooking, right? We're bringing this new flair to this archaic style of cooking, and I think that's what the industry is doing all over the place, right? Um, so how do we do that in like a fast casual? <laughs> manner yeah. which is like and to me i'm like that's the craziest thing ever like that, let's do it like Chaos. that's not gonna work but like <laughs> i want to i want to make that work yeah right and, um and they were doing a fantastic job when i got here but i'm just thinking to myself oh my gosh you know like they got strawberry basil cream cheese but why can't we do you know huckleberry chamomile you know blah 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 and yeah. my chef's mind's racing right like why can't we do um you know a gouda thyme bagel crossed with a beet pomegranate cream cheese and like i started losing my shit right yeah. so like <laughs> that's the chef in me like like getting crazy um but i realized um that people we were pretty we, we didn't do the best job in service like because of all those things we just talked about um the using the best ingredients there was still like this chef aspect of this place and the people waited a long time for food right because that you know, we were kind of like pound our chest a little bit. Well, this is like the best sandwich around. And it was, and it is. Um, and there's a lot that goes into this brisket. So like, just wait your turn and you'll get your food kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like that. I want to be like, how can we do this in a, in a fast, faster pace without losing quality, but also being really, really nice, overly nice to people and really raising that culture, right? Um, and a lot of it was just, just focusing on the culture of the staff of, of our team. Um, and, and retention has been, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, we're so blessed with retention. I have too many people, right? And we have people that, that want to do all these great things. And that, that switch just kind of happened a, a couple months ago. It took, me, took us like a year. And all at the same time, we're growing. We're trying to open new restaurants. We're building a corporate infrastructure. It was, it was me and two other guys in the corporate office, right? So like the CEO, well, the COO. Before me, there was no COO. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. So when you came on, when when did you first walk into a spread bagelry? August twenty one. That so. You, oh no no I'm sorry. Like when you first said this is I wanna crazy. Say, I want to say it was um, 
It was uh, like a year prior to that. Okay, so a year prior, you, it, it made its impact on you. Uh, I take that back. When I mo- first moved to Philadelphia, I had one. I had, yeah. I, there's one down the road from my house, and I went and got, I got some bagels from there. Yeah. And I was like, these are good. And I think this a lot, and I'm, I'm probably um, just believing myself too much, but I'm like, these are good. I feel like if they had someone like me, we, can, we could make them great. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but... Uh, so so yeah so like I got them and they were really good and I was like wow you know but I but I thought the, the direction I was going like the high profile chef and like volume 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 and Garces there was only one or two shops back then and I didn't think that it was it was something for me right mm-hmm. I didn't th- I didn't see a career with them yeah so I, I remember so this is when you're like so but I did we haven't mentioned this yet there's Jamie right yeah who's Jamie we call him Jay Schrott Jay Schrott yeah in, yeah in, uh, so Jamie. Um, you know, you meet people along the way in your life that um, give you opportunities when mm-hmm. the time is right. Mm-hmm. So I did some consulting for, for Jamie. and uh, While he was here at Spread. Correct. Because he came on in 2000, I want to say 18. Yeah. Um, um, but he was also with Garces. He was with Garces. And I didn't realize that until I was doing my research this morning. Yeah, he was with Garces. So we knew each other slightly at Garces, very briefly, I, I believe. He was a CFO for Garces. CFO. So he was in an ivory tower somewhere, mm-hmm. and I was on the ground humping. Um, I saw his name on some emails. I think I, I think I met him maybe twice. Um, but he came here, well, a couple years prior. I want to say it was 2018. 2018. Um and uh, so I think in 2020, he said, hey, uh, you know, you want to make some new cream cheeses for us? It spread. And I was like, well, you know, I, I just don't want. So, so anyway, I, I did it. I said, yeah. Um, but quite frankly, I was I was a little nervous about our, the service of spread and, we're, you know, the pandemic and all this stuff. So, like, I didn't want my name on a bunch of stuff. Um, I don't think he wanted to put my name on a bunch of stuff. <laughs> so, so I did it. And... Um, and we came up with some good cream cheeses. Some of them failed. Horribly. He was actually, it looks like he, he oh wait. Yeah, he joined uh, in 2019, November 2000. Were you here before him? No. 2019. No. Uh, no, I came November. In 20, I came in 21. He must have just. Okay, that's right. He must have been here maybe a year or something. Yeah. Um, I think I turned him down, you know, first. But then, you know, I said, why not? What the hell am I doing? Uh, and uh, so, I, so I did it. Came up with some great cream cheeses. And it was during that time. When I was working in the kitchen at the commissary, I was like, man, these bagels, like I, I would get a bagel every time, right? And I was like, it's so good, dude. It's not, yeah. it's not just like, it's not just that one time. It was great. They're great all the time. Yeah. Right? And I was like, you know, I want to take this brand and I want to go compete, you know, with, with other bagel places in other areas of the, world, of the United States um, because I think I can do it better. Right? <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so I actually had a bunch of, financial backers and I was ready to go and Jimmy and I would talk every once in a while I would say hey can I meet with you so so he brought me in to meet with him and in, in the investment capital group um and I said you know I'm, I want to do this and uh, they're like hey, we're not quite ready but we're growing this corporate infrastructure and, and when you say I want to do this what do you mean I want to open a spread okay. or 10 spreads or 20 spreads um but I want to bring some of my expertise to the table because you can learn a lot if you do. If a company does franchise, you can. If you have good franchisees, you can learn from them too, right? So I want to be their first franchisee and like help them um, steer the ship a little bit. They they weren't quite ready, but they're like, we really love your leadership skills, and uh, would you be interested in 
and a chief operating officer. So this is where it gets kind of awkward because I'm going to be asking you questions about the, the state of your, the business that you currently work for, why you didn't think they were ready, and we're sitting in their offices right now. But the, this is where it gets, these are the personal questions that sure. I ask that this make the great. show good. Because this, is, this is the real, this, this is the grind. Right? Yeah, this is the reality yeah. of the industry. Yeah. This isn't a fluff piece. We're here to talk about the reality. Where were they? What did you see? What did you see that made you think, I can make this better? Where do they need to be better? You know, um, they were really good in a, in a lot of areas. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing right now because earlier you said these, this, they were really good and like, like a, a look of like anxiety and shit. Like, right, because I'm, 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 like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the spotlight. <laughs> I almost now. called you out then. They were really good, but okay, so I'll just give it to you yeah. in, in real terms. You know, they were, the bagels were great. That never changed. The bagels were fantastic. Yeah. Um, that hasn't changed the entire time. I felt they were missing the culture piece. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's what I've been working my entire life for. Mm-hmm. And with that culture piece, and with the infrastructure, not only the culture—that's one part of it—but building infrastructures. I get my rocks off on that, right? Um, building systems, like getting some real culinary systems in here, and people systems, and and like and really ripping the bandaid off this thing, and like shooting for the stars, shooting for the cover in New York Times. Like I, I started getting excited. I start. I couldn't sleep. Right. Um, and that, and I think they saw that and, and, you know, props to Jamie Schrapberger, um, for seeing that I could be that person. He's the first one in, in, in my entire career, um, that ever said to me, I really think that you might be the missing piece, um, to the, to this corporation to help us grow so to the 60, 80 units, hundred units or whatever. So. You've kind of been following your story, but let's kind of give the listeners an idea of the story of spread bagelery. When was spread bagelery founded? 2010, 2010, 2009. Okay. Um, the owner, uh, and he, he, he's like, he was a magician and, and you know, the funny Literally part or no, okay. no, I think he was a lawyer. <laughs> okay. Obviously I, I don't really know to be quite honest. Great guy. He, um, realized in Rittenhouse square in Philadelphia, which is, which is like a really nice park in the middle of Philadelphia. Right. Um, no good bagel shops. He was right. Um, but the, the thing that he did um, that really started spread off with a bang is the hospitality aspect. It was a really small shop. It's still open today. It's still one of our spots. Um, you can only fit like 10 people in there. This is the OG spot. Yeah. I might walk you down there today. Okay. It's only a five-minute walk. Nice. Um, but the line was like, you know, I, I think back then, I don't, I don't know how online and stuff, I don't know if it was all like, I don't think they did like uh, – DoorDash and all that shit. Maybe they did, but he didn't do much of that. It was just like an open shop. And the line was like eight blocks long. And he would have violinists outside in the summer like playing, which we which we do now again. That's awesome. <laughs> I brought that back because I thought it was fantastic. It is fantastic. Um, and then he would hold umbrellas for old ladies. He would, he would um, bring coffee out to people that were waiting. He would have magic acts sometimes. And it was really all about the people. And, and like he just loved people so much uh, that, you know, the bagels were a way, in my mind, he might not ever say this, but the bagels were a way of him connecting with the people. And I, and I think he probably had a great business, sold a lot of bagels. You yeah. know? Um, and then fast forward, <coughs> um, he, he got into bed with an investment capital group um, who, who was fantastic, by the way. And, are we um, allowed to say the group or are they silent? I'm not sure. You might have okay. to ask Jay, okay. Jay, Jay Schrott. <laughs> okay. might, might let you know. Gotcha. Um, but but these guys are just fantastic, um, and they and they believe in me and Jay Schrott 
and they give us carte blanche. You know, I'm, I'm going to backtrack them in a minute, but like they give us carte blanche to make mistakes, and it's it is so cool. I almost said the f bomb. It's so <laughs> it's been cool. It's so cool that someone <laughs> someone of that stature believes in us like that, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so any, anyway, so um, they started opening a couple here and there very slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, so over the course of ten years, how long does it go from one to two? I would say maybe I don't know exactly, but I'd say three or four. Okay. Um, so. 2010, 2013, they had I, two. I'm taking, a, I'm taking a major guess there. How many were, how many were there when you came on in 2021? 20, there was seven. Seven, right. got it. And I think there'll be ten. You're opening two right now. Yeah, I'm opening two right now. But next, So now we've peeled the Band-Aid off. We've done the culture thing. Like, we've reached that We're going to get into that. Because okay. I think this is where the, the listeners are really going to benefit is, like, if you if you resonate with uh, we're, right now we're painting the picture of where spread was yep and then we're going to talk about what you what your influence what your impact has had great so um you know long story shorter they're opening their piece mealing places together and um you know the goal with any investment capital group is to, is to build something that probably they could sell at some point i would imagine so you know the goal is like 60 100 like, who the hell knows? I want to be the Starbucks of bagels, but I want to do it spread bagelry way, which we, we're still finding that way every, every time we build a new unit. Um, we, you know, we're still finding that, that niche between QSR and fast casual where people can chill, but, it's, but it's, it also can be in and out kind of thing. Third place. Right, right. Third place. I don't understand that. Third place. Third place is the, so first place is your home. Second place is your work. Uh-huh. Third place is the place in between. Yeah, the I place like where you go that is your that feels like home, but it's not your work or your your home. It's that place that you can just go be. Yeah, third place is that's great. I'm gonna start yeah. using that. Nugget. I didn't. I can't. It's not mine. It's it's a Starbucks. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But we want to. You know, we want to grow. We want to be successful like Starbucks. But we want to do it our way. We want every restaurant to be different. Have its own like own feeling when you go in there. We want to be the unchained chain, if you will, mm-hmm. where like people go in and, and quite the frankly, unchained chain. <laughs> quite frankly, right now, I at this stage of our development, I'm not too. Um, I don't put as much credit in as if people know there's ten spreads or twenty spreads. I want them to feel like that's their neighborhood spot. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we'll get to that point where it's like we want people to know about all of them, right? But I want people to feel like that spread bagelry is there for them for their, yeah. na- their neighborhood. Um, but Jamie, I think, realized uh, there was no corporate infrastructure to do that. It was him, an accountant, and a guy that does everything. You know about those guys that do everything? There's one guy or gal on every company that, that fucking does everything. Yeah, so there's actually a name. So I'm a huge fan of um, of the uh, Traction series of books. Gino Wickman, uh, he... He wrote Traction. He wrote uh, Rocket Fuel. He wrote The Entrepreneurial Leap. Uh, that he's the, f- developed the EOS, um, like the Entrepreneurial Operating System, which is like a, a language. But anyway, in one of his books, Rocket Fuel, um, he talks about what what is Rocket Fuel. It's the integrator. It's or the in- implementer. I think it's the integrator. So every every like usually a CEO or the founder of a company is a visionary. They have big dreams. They say they, they see what nobody else can see. Yeah. Right. Like this is where we're going, but they suck at getting there. Yeah. They're not good in the dirt. They're yeah. a why guy, not a how guy. Yeah. And they need the how guy. You're the how guy. 
I'm also I, I want to be the why guy too. Yeah, but um, but you, but like the the how guy is a guy that gets you there. The, totally. The, the, and or the you know they they build so most CEOs typically are why guys. Yep. Right, but they surround themselves with how people. Yep. And and that's what Jamie started doing. And he, yeah. You know, basically, he convinced he convinced the capital. They didn't know me, right? So like he convinced. Hey, hey, we really really need Brooks and and. Uh, you know, it felt great to, to, to have someone believe in you that much at this stage of my career. Um, and I, I want to be successful, you know, for him, but for the, for the group. But the point is, um, without a COO, without a human resources director, without a marketing director, without regional managers, without all of those layers in the corporate yeah. office, you can't do this, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. You, so. you bring up something that comes up a lot. Um, babe, when people, you need to build the house before you move into right. it. You can't go sit on a plot of land and live there. Right. You got to build the house first yep. and then you move into it. So what you're doing right now is you're helping them build the house because you can't go. What happens is people try to scale way too fast and yep. then, and then they get the capital. They convince somebody with millions of dollars to give it to them and they go build, 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 build. And then they, they don't have the people that are the resources to sustain. Right. So, so you got to build that first. We're doing those simultaneously mm -hmm. and it's actually been really, really effective. So, you know, we just hired a marketing director, right? A, a, a couple, well, it's been a year now, maybe six months. Um, we have marketing interns now, which is fantastic, which is crazy. Jamie um, Slotnick. We have a catering director. A marketing so, but, you know, manager. really what I did is, is if we go back to the middle of this episode, I took the people that were here, the people that have been working for Spread way before I got here, the bakers that were the best bakers they ever had, and I made those guys the leaders, so, like, for example, I have a regional manager who used to be a baker. I have another regional manager that started as a bartender in one of our places that serve alcohol, right? And those are the people I leaned into. And I took them. Some of them were already going, but some of them, like, with my tutelage and my little pushing here and there, um, a lot of them, you know, they already had it. They just need some guidance, right? I put those guys in charge. I promoted people into corporate training roles, just our best cook and our best <laughs> barista and our best baker, right? Let's put those guys into training roles. Um, but it's also a timing thing, right? Because, you know, when you're building a company, you can't just put all these people into corporate and then you have this huge, heavy corporate payroll with, yeah. with nothing coming in. So you kind of got to you got to feather that a little bit. But um, but at the same time, you, you... But I promoted from within. You scale by recre recreating yourself and others, right? Yep. So you had all these key players who were made spread what spread is yep. and you you said like you're the target in this role you're the target we need more of you so why not make the target the teacher right not like why not you know and then you build does that make sense like like it like does. you're the you're the person that's doing this the best like now you need to recreate yourself and everyone else that comes in after you. yeah and then you know what comes into what comes in the word that comes into my mind when you start doing this so i think jamie needed somebody jamie knew the people but I, but I think, and I don't know, and I don't want to speak for him, but like I, f I feel like Jamie didn't know how to get those people there. And then if those people stumbled along the way, how he would. Weird. So what you're trying to say is you're a how guy? And Isn't that what you said? <laughs> exactly. Right, yeah. yeah. I'm the how guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, and, and so, so like, but I'm also the why guy. I'm the guy there that bounces. you got a great split. That, that Jamie bounces yeah. ideas off yeah. of, right? Yeah. Um, so... I can't remember where we're going, but but basically I said, so so we made a conscious effort, like, look, we can hire all these people. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of people I've worked with that are highly trained in this kind of stuff. 
it would be happy to come work in a bagel shop that closes at three three o'clock every day right because right now they're like grinding in some dining room till midnight um but i said i don't want to do that that's not going to be the who we are that's not going to be our culture so we're going to promote these people yes you know and everybody's like you can't you can't do that (laughs) you can't do that we need expertise and i was like well we're gonna do that you know and that's where jamie and mvp like believed in me and and the word that comes in my mind is accountability um i made sure that i was accountable and that's what i preached to all these guys even even jacob the intern like be accountable and 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 i told i told these guys like if, if this fails it's on me you know, I'm accountable. I'm gonna raise my hand. We're not. A, we're not a point of finger company. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the first one that that raises my hands and says, "I screwed up. We need to make another move." You know, um, but I'm also the first one to give praise to the people that are successful. Right. So, accountability is huge. While you're present, be accountable. If you're the COO or CEO, like it's all your fault. The successes and the, and the and the losses, right? Yeah. So, like, raise your hand and like show your team that, like, you know, you're taking that one on the chin, dude. You know, whether you need to be there to coach this person a little bit more, or you know, but you don't leave any men out in the field. So, so like, I, I took that accountability away from Jamie and away from MVP. I was their scapegoat. I, I put all my eggs in my What's MVP. Um, Who's MVP? That's the capital group. So. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, you got me. We got it. <laughs> but I put all my eggs in my basket, yeah. and I said, I'm accountable for this. And um, it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be the right thing to do. And it's like, man, it's paid in spades. Why? How is uh, this? So this is going back almost two years ago now, right? Yeah, so it's, it's paid more- in spades. So it's been, it's been hard work the last year because some of those people. The obstacle is the way, though. Yeah, yeah, totally. Some of those people. Um, had no idea. I had no idea, right? I'm a new employee to this company. I just know what's right and what feels right. Um, and those people now, um, not only have they showed everybody else in the company that there's growth, so everybody now wants to be an area manager and a trainer and this and that, but we're starting to put those layers in of like, this person worked here 10 years as a baker, and now he's in charge of one restaurant. He's about to be in charge of two, um, and he knows every aspect about that bagel because you can't lose focus on the quality of your food right but he knows every aspect of that bagel he can troubleshoot things that i wouldn't it would take me a year to figure out he would know in five minutes um he knows the minute his bakers are slacking or doing well he knows he knows all of those intricacies of his restaurant as soon as he walks in the door because he did it for 10 years right and he's also walking around i hope with his chin up being like i'm a badass now you know, not only am I going to manage one, I'm about to manage two. I want to take Brooks's job and be COO, which is great. I'd love, I'd love for any of these guys to do that. Um, they have, they have, a, they have a career path, and they're really realizing like I could do something with this, right? Um, so, what are the biggest changes that have happened? If you could still, I have some ideas, but I want it to come from your mouth. What are the biggest changes that have happened in the two years you've been here? Um, the biggest changes. There's been a ton. I don't know how to answer that. I'll talk about maybe the culture, right? So um, retention. Well, that's where my mind was going. Is so the, the first one is retention. Yeah. yeah. Um, retention is is fantastic. I, 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 Can you like, give me some numbers to represent the, the lo- how? In- we have 100. I think we have right now um, minus corporate 110 employees, maybe 100, about to be 140. And 
we are to a point now where uh, we have like we have we don't do much interviewing. We do interviewing. I'm sorry, I take that back. We talk to everybody a couple times. Always take um, the interview because you never know what, yeah, yeah, what possibilities. Yeah, you have. But we have like p- people lining up. It seems like, and the quality of the people are, are from when I started two years ago to now are, are fantastic. Um, we have. Within culture, we have employees pushing other employees. What's the major thing that happened? Sorry. Keep going. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take notes. I'm going to pull back. No, no. Well, we can talk about interviewing. Um, I instituted, first of all, I, 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 um, I, I stopped all interviews. Uh, I didn't let any manager interview anybody. Okay. <laughs> Which is like the crazy chef. Right. <laughs> because, because I knew it was so important to build this foundation, the culture had to be there. Yeah. Our company's not going to do well. So I said, no one's doing any interviews. I'm going to do every single interview, which was like very difficult. There's Brooks again, back yeah. on the bathroom floor, scrubbing and very, chopping onions. Very difficult. <laughs> but I, but I encourage the managers to come sit with me while I conduct these interviews. Yeah. Right. And um, I think what we used to do is there'd be your typical interview questions. Hey, what day are you available? What, how much money do you need? Do you have reliable transportation to work? Yeah, let me let me zoom back up. I want to get I want to get a list, and then we're gonna pull back the layers. Okay. So, to, to the root of the question is what What did you start doing when you got here? You talked about the quality of the employees changed. You started doing all the interviews. Right. Um. What What else? Started doing all the interviews. I also um, realized as a business aspect that I took over commissary. Um, okay. Because I was the chef. Yeah. Right. So like, it's just pretty easy for me to like manage the commissary. Um. So I. Plus, the, the gentleman that was managing it before me did a great job. Yeah. Um, so he just kind of passed it off. But that gentleman was the gentleman that does everything. So, like, it allowed him to focus on, like, real real important stuff, like POS systems. What's his title? His title is Director of Operations and Systems. So it's, like, Chief Technology Officer. Pretty of. much right now. But, yeah. man, we're still trying to whittle that down. He's just so amazing. He does everything. But, okay. But we're trying to get him Maybe to be. Maybe he's the integrator. Maybe you're both integrators. Maybe. Sorry, keep going. Um took over commissary i started um for the city locations so six of our restaurants that are downtown philadelphia i started actually um ordering their we, we do things on a commissary model so they have to order the bagels from the commissary okay to come raw so they being the location the locations would order them to come raw right park park no or just raw. completely just just straight dough? raw is it just dough or no it's formed no it's formed got it but it's raw got it but there's a like a lot of a lot of stuff that, like, there was no chefs here, but there was, like, proofing, you know, the speed racks going from the cart to the truck. How much is it proofed? Where is it at? And the walk-in, this, that. Like, the proofing process Yeah, how crazy. does the delivery, especially when you start growing, it's, it's going further away from the origin, right, so that's right, going to change right, right. the end product. So I needed to get, like, on top of that and understand yeah. that. Plus, I felt like we could save some money with proper ordering. Okay. Um, I took that on. Uh, I also... Um, Started the search with Jamie for these corporate level employees that we needed, um, like marketing director and HR director and talent acquisition. Uh, I also worked in the restaurants. New Year's New Year's morning, New Year's Day morning, I was at one of our restaurants with Jamie at one thirty in the morning. So, so like New Year's Eve, hey, it's New Year's, and at one thirty we were in a restaurant baking. Um, so I started working in this restaurants and understanding what, what the deal is. Uh, 
And it was like the wild, wild west a little bit. A lot of these restaurants were left on their own to kind of rock and roll. And um, it was great for me because there was so much low-hanging fruit to things that we could fix pretty easily. But it was also great because these people that were in these restaurants were seasoned veterans that can that could rock and roll on their own, right? Um, so we also I also institute, instituted um, we, we did a poor job of communicating to all of our staff from a corporate team. So we instituted newsletters, um, a central chat messaging thing where we, we send out messages. Um, we send monthly newsletters now. We send weekly messages. Um, I, I just became super transparent. We, weren't, we didn't do a good job being transparent either. Um, so, you know, as I was scrubbing those garbage cans and, and cleaning those baseboards, um, I was transparent about, about where the company was, where that person was in the company, where I was, what we're trying to do. See, here's yeah. the cool thing again. You're not just in there doing stuff for the sake of doing things to show people that you are willing to do things. You're also listening. You're also communicating. You're talking. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, and that's, that's really what it's about. It's not about cleaning the garbage can. Really. Mm. It's about listening. It's about earning respect. But once you have the respect. It's about listening. It, the, the, I think know. the dialogue changes. Yeah, and um, so you're earning the respect while you're scrubbing the garbage can, but you're, you're also earning it by giving them someone to talk to. Yeah. And I'm the COO, right? So they're like, to me, I'm like the head dishwasher, but to them, I'm like the COO. Yeah. This guy's in here scrubbing my garbage can. Uh, <laughs> so... I also said, you know, I convinced Jamie. It wasn't that hard of a convince, but I said, we need to have a holiday party, man. Like, have you guys never had a party for these guys? Like, have yeah. you never celebrated these Them. people? Yeah. Um, but having a holiday party for, you know, 80, 60 people, whatever at the time. I think, I think we were like 75 people at that time. You know, it's expensive, dude. Um, but we, we got the money for that. Had a really badass holiday party. And then I said, every spring we're going to have a barbecue for our staff. Right? So now we call it. Um, you know we, how to barbecue too, don't you? What do we call it, Jacob? <laughs> the grill and chill. Yeah. So, um, so now every spring we have two parties a year. Every spring it's like the grill and chill. So we had our first annual grill and chill last year. And our, and our first annual holiday party. And then this year. I'm sorry. Our first annual grill and chill this year. And we're coming up on our second annual holiday party. But then I started um, recognizing people. And I started, I started, even though things weren't quite the way I wanted them to be yet, I, I started thanking everybody. Mm. Right? And I started to be grateful for these guys. It's happening to those Maslow's hierarchy of needs again. Be, yeah. I mean, well, the very first thing after, after security is being seen, being yep. valued. Yep. Then comes personal growth. So... Sometimes I had to bite my tongue a little bit, but I would, I would um, go in there and I, I would tell everybody how grateful I was. Mm. And some of the guys in the corporate office or some of the regional managers were like, dude, that guy sucks. <laughs> why'd, you, why'd you tell him thank you? <laughs> and I'm like, he sucks because of you. Like, he doesn't suck because he sucks. Mm. He sucks because he hasn't been shown. See, that's like, extreme ownership right there. He sucks because he hasn't been, uh, you know, he sucks because of me. Mm. Right? So, like, make him better. Yeah. You know, or her or whoever. But it was like that mentality, like, you can't do that. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, yeah, we can do that. Dude. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> like, invest in your people. Yeah. Because all these guys are here for a reason. They want to do well, mm. right? And if they don't, 
let's find out why and let's let's help them mm-hmm. right and if we can't and you know usually so now when people depart our company it's kind of a mutual agreement very rarely does anybody quit or get fired or get fired yeah. because they kind of you know they kind of know what's going on and like we're so transparent now where people are like hey brooks they'll send me a message on our messaging thing can we sit down and talk and, and i'll be like oh man you know, I'll call the regional manager. Hey, what's Timmy Tom want to talk about? I'm like, oh, we already talked about it. He got a job. Um, he's actually following one of his career goals. He got a job at the post office. Nice. And he's stoked about it. And he just wanted to, like, tell you thank you. And he's leaving. He feels bad for leaving. You know, and I'm like, you know. But those are the conversations we're having now, um, which, is, which is awesome, right? And um, just opening up that transparent, that, that communication portal, that like, and now all the area managers are doing the same thing. They're coming to me, Brooks. I want to kill this person. They make my life so difficult. I was like, tell them thank you. <laughs> kill them with kindness. Tell them thank you. Kill them with kindness. And, and like, get in there, yeah. man. And and we've had some awesome, awesome stories of dishwashers who are now like our head bagel production person. We've had cashiers that are, um, you know, just just kicking ass and like. Becoming supervisors. Yeah. This is the this is the transformation I want to see the restaurant industry have. We have responsibility to not just hire people and give them a job, but to transform them. You transform an, ind- uh, an industry one person at a time. It starts with the dishwasher. You transform them, and and then it, it's like literally the listeners. I think this is like. You don't just hire them, give them a paycheck. You say, where are you going? How can I help you get there? And every once in a while, you're going to knock one out of the park. Not everybody is going to become the COO or the, sure. the chief marketing officer or the executive chef or the, they're going to become like start you know, opening their own restaurants. But if you show them a path, if you say, this is the starting point, we're hiring you, this is your starting point. Now, here are 20 different verticals that you can choose paths. And maybe, maybe for you, you want to stop at, at this point along the way. And that's fine. But there's going to be somebody who wants to go become their own franchisee, right? Yeah. You know, and I think part of that is not just showing them the path. But then helping them. Right? Follow up with them, too. Okay, yeah. So, like, like, go talk to them again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying tomorrow, but, like, you know, or put the people in the place to go say, hey, hey, Tim Tom, where are you on the path, man? You know? So, um, I, I, you know, in, in the middle of this, I, I, took, a, I took one of our employees, um, that came with me from from Garces, and I made him a talent acquisition person, right? So now he's like, if I can't go check up with with Tim on where he is on his path, like this guy does that, you know? This guy does the initial round of interviews and then sets him to the second round. Dude, I can't believe how fast time's going with you. Um, we're already at eleven o'clock, our agreed upon time. I still, I still want more though. We're gonna go a little bit over. Okay. Hopefully that I don't know if our next interview is here yet. I doubt it. Okay, cool. So <laughs> is he here? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I don't want to keep him waiting. Obviously, there's so. a couple. There's a couple of things I, I just want to reiterate, and that's like we're gonna take a break. We're okay. gonna think, we're gonna thank our sponsors. We'll okay. be right back, and we'll start wrapping things up. Recently on the show, you've been hearing it come up often. Restaurant Systems Pro. If you've become interested, I highly recommend you sign up for the Restaurant System Pro 60-day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant Systems Pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant. 
Fred will be leading the training, supporting you in holding you accountable. Typically, this costs $10,000 a month to have Fred in your restaurant. But during this no cost to you 60 day training, he will be teaching you every process he does during the group coaching sessions and nothing will be held back. During the 60 days, Fred will walk you through the Restaurant Systems Pro process and help you crush the following goals. Recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts in seats, and that's not it. Often, the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time, these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. RestaurantUnstoppable.com slash RSP. Okay, we're back. You kind of painted the picture of like what ha- where spread was when you got here, the how you prioritize. And I think 100%, dude, I, I support the decisions you're making. I say two things. I, I believe, this is, my, this is my opinion, this is my perspective. I've only talked to almost 1,000 successful restaurant owners. That's it, yeah. 1,001. <laughs> two things right. determine growth. <laughs> People and cash flow. Yeah. You can't grow unless you have the people and the cash flow. Yeah. Right. You also need the the organizational structure too. Sure, right. You talked sure. about that. But you you got the cash flow when you when you found your investors, your capital investors. They say, We believe in this, we're gonna be your money. Like, let's go. You have cash flow. You can't go start opening a restaurants until you are bursting at the freaking seams with people. With and people the only- that people that are believe yeah and the only the only time you open the next location is when you ran out of opportunity for the people that are already with you um i disagree with that okay but, why? well we just we're gonna open up i want to take over the world man yeah I, i'm not saying i want to be the elon musk but of, you're also Bagels, so. creating opportunity for all these people and you're yeah we're gonna take all those people along for the ride exactly. but I, i'm not gonna wait to open a restaurant until i have the people i'm gonna build noah's ark and have the people come, right? Some of them will already be on our team. How are you going to get the people? Where are you, you going to find all these people? What if you start opening twenty restaurants a, a oh, year? Oh, of course, tomorrow? there's like yeah, of course there's a you know there's a you'd have to ramp up for that. Yeah. But at this rate that we're going now, yeah, um, we're, we're staying ahead of it. So we're opening two locations now, right? Yeah, one's fully staffed. They're training in the store right now. The other one. Is set to open maybe three weeks. So this restaurant that recently opened, that's fully staffed, where did those people come from? They opened next week. Okay, so where did those people come from? So they came from the town that that it's in. Um, There's there's, there's two. So we started hiring for that prior. We paid for people to drive to Philadelphia and work in Philadelphia for, for a month, month and a half, two months prior to even this building even being open. So we had a, a, a few, three or four or five people that have worked in the city, and I, and I paid them like a fucking ton of money for transportation because transportation is so expensive. But, but they already work for spread. Yeah, but I hired them with the intentions that we want to work in this place because we live in that town. <laughs> and they're like, I'm like, can I pay you to come to Philly, which is a half hour away through rush hour traffic and all that okay. stuff, to come train here? Got it. So I don't have to wait for the store to open. And they're like, if you pay for our transportation, 
will come. Okay. Well, How long ago did you start doing that? Two months ago. Two months ago. So they've been training with you in-house for two months. Uh, yeah. yeah. But so now, you, but then, you know, we're, we're opening the second one, and we have to do our, our training and stuff for the stores that are currently open. So we didn't want to have, we, we couldn't get, our company's not big enough to get every single person hired and, and trained two months prior. Yeah. Not yet. It will be soon. What are your um, growth goals? How many spreads do you want to open a year? I think by 2025, we're shooting for like 60 or 70. So in, in two years, you want to open an additional 50 locations. Yeah, we should. I'm, I'm hoping we have. Um, I mean, it's possible, man. It's it's a tough goal, but that's what we're shooting for. I've I think, seen it I think happen. We'll, you know, right now we're projected to be at maybe um, 18 by the end of next year. If you so, so I ask all my guests this question. I'm gonna. I probably won't ask you this question because we already ran you through the speed round. Um, and I want to. I rather just free flow with you. Longer, okay. You know. Great. But when I ask, what's your biggest challenge? What do you think the most common answer to that question is? What's your biggest challenge? What's my biggest challenge? Sure. Well, I mean, what's your biggest challenge? And then what do you think most people answer is that question? I think most people's answer is people, right? Yeah. 100%. Finding, not, finding people. That's not my biggest challenge. Okay. Um, because if you take the time to be present and accountable and transparent, mm -hmm. those people are all right there. What if you start? I'm, I'm not looking for like the people. I, I, it's a hard way to put it, but the way I preach it is I'm not looking for the best people. Yeah. I'm looking for the right people. Yeah. Right. And, and the right person is someone that, um, understands when you're transparent with them, you know, their eyes aren't glassed over. They have a little bit of the eye of the tiger. Um, I, I hired one, one person came in and she had a doctorate in archeology. span She said, I, I wanted to be a baker. And I called her in for an interview. And my team was like, dude, you just have any experience. Yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> you know? And uh, so I'm going to talk to her because it's interesting. Like, yeah. why does she want to be a baker? Yeah. She's got a doctorate in archaeology. Like, you plus, she's willing to follow through. Plus, like, yeah, plus, <laughs> like, that's, that's pretty badass. I want to talk about that. You know, like, yeah. I'm interested in this person. So she came in and she told me, hey, man, like, I'm, I'm moving to, um, the West Coast, like in, in 10 months to do this crazy dig and like do my career. But I, like your, your bagel thing like fascinates me. I want to cook with wood. So like, so I can learn that and like, and like have that in my back pocket. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. Um, yeah, let's do that. Right. I'll hire you for sure. Cause, Cause like you said, like she must've been driven. Yeah. She's self-motivated. Yeah. Three right? things when you're hiring but, somebody. But, but, but I was like, that's one of those accountability things. Like if she didn't do well, that's all on me, right? Because I made the, I made the decision to do. Yeah, that. I didn't have to. Mm -hmm. That's that leap of faith. That's mm -hmm. that. That's that grind. She's the best baker I've ever seen in this place, dude. dude there's three things. Three things that they say determine um, whether or not you hire or delegate or outsource something, a project to somebody, or hire them, whatever. Um, can they do it? Do they understand the job? And do they want it? Right. But the big thing. Is do they want it? Do they want if it, they right. want it, they're gonna be willing to understand it. And then the only other variable there is do they are they somebody who can actually do it? Because maybe like, dude, I, I don't know. Like, not everybody has the skills to do everything. Certain people aren't. Not everyone's cut from the same cloth. Sure. We're all different. Sure. So maybe you want to be an executive chef, but can you? Can you? Can you? Because that's a friggin' hard thing to do, right? So that's the question you have to ask. Well, yourself. Same with like you know, restaurant unstoppable. Yeah. Uh, how many times have I told you, like, I want to interview you 
for the thousandth episode, right? Like, what makes Eric Cacciatore tick? But then I'm thinking to myself, like, can I do that? <laughs> You're so yeah. good at it, right? I think I don't, you do it. I don't. I think I could get better. We could always get better, right? But the point is, like, I don't know if I can freaking do that. You know, so I think the answer to your question is, I'm just genuinely curious. Yeah, like, I just yeah. genuinely want my curiosity. Plus, my parents. I, I lived. I grew up in the industry. My parents. I saw firsthand sure. the struggles of people grinding and and not being able to pay the mortgage while having a line that goes out the door. Yeah. What, what the hell's going on here? Right. You know, like I. I get emotional talking about this. I was living, I was in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago and I was literally sitting at the table with the guys over at real tacos and I was crying in their dining room, telling them the story. Wow. I was, this is so embarrassing. Right? It's, like, emotional, there's not it's an emotional thing, man. but it's, I yeah. care, man. And I care about the industry and I care about the people in the industry because it, I don't, I'm not, I will never be an executive chef. I, I actually wonder if I'll ever be a restaurant owner sometimes because I recognize that I don't necessarily have the skill set to do it, but I do love people in this industry. And it's my love for the people in this industry. See, I'm getting emotional again, dude. It happens to me every time. I love the people. And I think that's, and there's no better people in the world, in my opinion, than a restaurant. People. Sure. You know, we, um, we always say that, you know, I'm a dad now. So like I'm, I'm on all these kid events or whatever, but like everybody should work in a restaurant for at least one summer. Yeah. Everybody. And I think they'll, they'll, they'll leave that, um, thinking they can conquer the world, you know, because because just like I mentioned earlier with the with the pandemic, like restaurants are built for adversity. Right? Yeah. Like, you're going to have adversity coming at you a thousand different ways every second, every hour. So, you know, how do you navigate those waters? Mm. Um, so I want to go deeper, man, because okay. um, biggest challenge for a lot of restaurants is finding people. You haven't had you haven't had that challenge. Going I, ha- from, I had it to start going from seven to ten. <clears throat> Yeah. Three restaurants in two years. You want to go in the next year from ten to twenty-five. Well, now we oh we'll probably get to eighteen. Okay. But, but now but now um now we're starting to get those layers in place. What are those layers? Be specific. The, the corporate layers. Marketing director. We have area managers. We have a plan, right? We have people that are poised. You know, part of promoting people. One of the reasons people need to be promoted or or sent packing to another place is because you've got to build your farm team, right? Those people underneath those people need to keep growing in order for this, in order for this thing to keep moving. Um, so you got to keep that farm team going and you got to, you got to have your eye on that. And if, if there's people that have been a baker with you for 12 years, like that might be a problem because so, you need new bakers coming in, right? So you want to get to 18, you said, yeah. uh, in the next so eight more locations the next year. Yep. How many people do you have to hire for each location, do you think? Twelve. Twelve people. Um, so so our company is going to essentially double. Yeah. Uh, probably not double, but like, you know. Twelve times eight. What is that? I'm horrible at that. Ninety-six. Ninety-six. Yeah. So 96 people in the next year. Not not anybody. 96 quality people in the next year. I think that's doable. But some of them, so, so maybe we have 10 right now, right? That'll be our future leaders. But you don't have 96 right now in a no, very challenging no. market. It's not challenging though. That's what I'm trying to. That's what I'm trying to say is like it's not challenging if you take the time, be transparent, and be accountable. So I didn't let my managers do any more interviews because they weren't doing those things. They weren't being specifically. What were they doing? Um, being transparent about what and and asking the questions that have nothing to do with work. Asking the questions about like why are you here? What makes you tick? 
What would make you happy? What wage would you need to be happy? What do you mean that they weren't being transparent? Were they lying about what the job was? No, no, they weren't being malicious in any way, but it was too, it was too, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It was like too systematic. Like, too step are, by step. Yeah, like, are you available these, it was too by the book, too by the book. Like, are you available these hours? Do you work this? Tell me about your time baking at Panera. Uh, if I called Panera, what would they say, right? Um, you go to the CIA Culinary Institute of America. If I called them, what would they say? How much do you like baking? Like that kind of stuff, right? And it's like, all bullshit. <laughs> so what do you talk about? I talk about um, what inspires them. I ask them why they're here, right? What are you looking for? What do you want? I ask them um, real questions like, what, would you, what do you need to make in order to be happy? To pay your bills with the with the assumption that you know the position you're applying for and sitting for right don't tell me you need a hundred thousand dollars a year when you're applying to be a baker mm -hmm. but um i also i also spend a good 20 minutes telling them about the history of our company and where we want to go right? where do you want to go well we just talked about it yeah 60 locations right. whatever right so um we talk, I talk to them about growth opportunity, but I also, in every interview, say, you know what? Because of all these things, this might be the hardest job you've ever worked, you know? And I, f I really believe that mm -hmm. because it's the hardest job I've ever worked. I might put that on myself, but, like, those are the people I want. I want them to be self-motivated to, like, to, to, like, give them enough stuff to do, you know? Um, and a lot of times when I'm done with that kind of talk, like, kind of like the talk you and I are having right now, Honestly, I have that talk with almost every single person that comes in here. And some of them are like, here I was oh. thinking we were sharing a special moment. Yeah. So, some, <laughs> of them are, some of them are like, I know who you are. You're the chef, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and uh, are you, I listen to you on Restaurant Unstoppable. Some people say, I heard you on right. Restaurant Unstoppable, yeah. you know? Um, but then I'm like, you know, this is what we can do. This is what we can't do. This is what I like. You know, do you think you could do this? Um, and then I said, look, I want you to marinate on this for the weekend because this is an important decision in your life, right? Um, think about it. I'm going to think about it. And then, and then text me or call me on Monday, you know, after you've thought about it. And I, and I get them some bagels. They got to love bagels, right? <laughs> so, like, let's get some bagels. Let's, um, and sometimes people will call me on Monday and, like, hey, man, I don't think I'm going to take it. You're crazy. Yeah. You know? At least you're transparent. You're crazy. And, like, I, I'm just looking for, like, a summer gig. I'm gonna go work at Starbucks. Mm -hmm. I'm like, great, dude. That's awesome. I was like, I'll see you in Starbucks. I'm all excited. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and they're like, dude, it's nuts. But some people are like, I've never had an interview like that. Like, I'm so interested. Like, let, let's rock and roll, you yeah. know? And, uh, but, I'm, but being that transparent to start, now when these people, now I've laid the groundwork. So when the people start and they get trained, and I'm like, hey, man, why is this like this? I, you're supposed to have it over here. Like, or, or likewise, you know, Great job making Susie, Susie Homemaker super stoked. You gave her dog a free bagel. She's, you know, um, the, the positive, positives and negatives and criticism that comes along with the job after is all like free flowing because no, nothing hits them out of right field. They're not like, oh, I didn't sign up for this. I actually did. I told you it was going to be the hardest job you ever had. <laughs> so we got to think about wrapping it up because I want to respect your time. We're 20 minutes over. And um, 
we got your CEO right off the heels of your yeah. conversation. Um, if there's one thought, one thing, one idea you want to leave us with as far as, you know, where we're headed, where you're headed, a big takeaway you can give our listeners as far as what you know to be true about the success you're having here. What is it? Um, <clears throat> you know, it, I think it takes courage, man. It takes courage to be accountable, to be present, um, and, and takes courage to be successful. Takes courage to win. Takes courage to fail. Um, but you have to do it, and I think that's like a mantra for anything in 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 the in the world, not just the restaurant industry. It takes courage to say, "I want to start making a big old no hole in it," and then it takes courage to do it, and then it takes courage to have it fail. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, it also takes courage to listen. Mm. Right? Why? Um, because it's not about you anymore. It's not about me anymore. I'm already successful because I'm in the grind. I've already made it, man. Um, and, and like, I love this so much and I'm so thankful every day uh, that I get to come and do this. Um, but it takes courage to listen to your staff and be transparent because then you're putting a little bit of yourself out there, right? You're, you're showing them that you're, you're a real person. Um, you're showing them failures. My whole team has seen me fail multiple times, not just the corporate staff, the other staff. <laughs> They've watched me do dumb shit, and uh, it's embarrassing. But you know what? That that respect that I get from those failures, are, are I get more respect from those than I do from going in there and saying, hi, I'm the CEO. You can't right? be af afraid to fail. If you're afraid to fail, you'll never make it. But it's in every failure you have, you come out a little bit more galvanized. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, just be courageous. Be courageous to, like, put your feelings to the side and 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 get with, get with, get with the times, dude. It's not about you. Mm -hmm. if, if you put all your time into making the guy next to you better, by default, you're going to be better. You're going to be unstoppable. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love this conversation, Bricks. I have a feeling this will be not, this will not be the last time. I hope so. Um, Hopefully, I'm interviewing you because um, we got to get, I, th I think all the listeners would agree we need to get Eric Cacciatore on here. I've been interviewed a couple times. I'm, I'm always down to people that have me ask questions. I'm, I'm a Leo, dude. I like to talk about myself. Sure. I'm, I'm like, sure. I, won't, I won't hide that. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, dude, I'm super excited. I would love to come back in 2025 when you're at 60 locations. Yeah, we're, we're, by then I'm hopeful that um, your podcast is just like coming out of one of those locations on the regular. What do you mean? So you have a brick and mortar, right? Like yeah. I build a space for you. I build a space for you and like this restaurant Unstoppable. Well, I haven't. I haven't figured out like the catch yet. Right? So the people hook. are coming to me. I'm not traveling around the country, but well, we're you and I have in. talked about like building this brick and mortar thing, and people are, we're flying people in to see you. I'd love and, that. And like, and and not only that, we're serving hot fresh bagels. I've, I've I have so many thoughts running through my my mind. I have a feeling we're going to be talking even after we stop. Yeah. After we hit record, but uh, super excited for you, man. Um, just absolutely love the shit out of you uh, what you're doing what you stand for it's an honor to make an example of you and your values and your energy dude and i wish every person in the industry had the same values you did i really do great i i, I appreciate you too man um yeah. you keep me inspired and that honestly the whole industry right now is so inspiring 
Um, and I encourage listeners, if they don't already, to link into like this thing you're creating, this system of Restaurant Unstoppable. We're calling so, it Restaurant Unstoppable Network, man. Is uh, that what it is? We'll link yeah. into that because, you know, there's a ton of questions and some people don't have the mentors that I was blessed with. But like you are a master at connecting people. You've connected me with a couple of people. So like call into Eric or, or however that works. And, and You know, it's weird because the network's going through a transition right now. And um, in full transparency, I'm thinking about making it free. There's other people who are like, why the frig would you make it free? Like, yeah. don't like, like you have value. Here's the truth of it. I don't enjoy sitting at a computer. I bet. <laughs> that's what it really comes Are down to. Are you saying this, this sucks? I don't interface <laughs> with technology really well. And I think what the network needs is a, I'm a community builder. I'm not a community manager. Yeah. And uh, what the network needs is a community manager. Somebody who's willing to be in there, who's willing to schedule things, who's willing to be the liaison between, don't sign up the the internship (laughs) for my, uh, he's pointing at the internship over here. Let him make his own decisions. Um, I need somebody who's willing to do, I need an integrator. I need what you are for me so I can be out there being, the recruiter, the visionary, my whole thing in the world where everyone's chasing algorithms and trying to connect with the next influencer, I'm trying to connect with the next person I'm told to connect to because I'm talking to people. I'm listening and saying, what did you do? Who, should, who do you think I should talk to? Right. That's the only, that's my North star. I don't have the answers. I go to the people who, who have answers and I get perspective. I just want to listen. I just want the content to steer the ship and that's a full-time job. Um, so what's, so the future of the network, I really just want, one of the things I've learned is you can't have a people-dependent organization. You need to have a system-dependent organization with, which has amazing people in it. Yes. Uh, and what I need- I love that statement, by the way. It, and it's the truth. I just built my whole career on that statement. Right yeah, there. so you need amazing people, but it needs to hinge on the systems. Totally. So what I'm trying to do is, and I, the network hinged on me. I, if there was an event in the network, it, it came from me being there to host the event, to, and the part of my issue is I'm a gatekeeper. I care so much about who I make an example of and who I'm letting talk to my listeners because I'm afraid that people are going to exploit my listeners. And it's probably, it's, it's a strength and a weakness because yeah. I alienate myself because I have such, I put up such a fucking wall and I need to be better about that. I did it again, didn't I? <laughs> I said the F word. I put up such a wall, but it's, but it's a strength and a weakness. I need to start extending more trust. And the people who've been referred to me, who've, who have come to us through word of mouth, I need to say, I trust you to share your knowledge and I don't need to be there. So going forward, I would like the network to be, um, if you've been referred to me, if you're one of these 100 people on my list that is an, an expert in a subject or a specialist, I'm gonna say my network's your network. My platform's your platform. Sure. If you wanna schedule an event, if you wanna share a message, go for it. And, and that's the future of Restaurant Unstoppable Network. But here's the thing, it's, I can't do it alone. I need people to do it. Sure. So if you're listening to this and you wanna be a part of this, and what I'm sharing is something that inspires you, if you wanna connect with other passionate people across the industry and connect with the tools and services that are being recommended to us, you have to join the network because I need to pay people to do this work. Totally. <laughs> That's really what totally. it comes down to. Damn, dropping nuggets, man. Yeah. So. Please join the network. Head to <laughs> restaurantstoppablenetwork.com. It's 30 bucks a month. It's $1 a day. And I don't think I should make it free, but people are, 
I don't think I should make it free because I need the resources. And just like yeah. your your bagels can't be free because you need to pay people totally. to do the job. And in fact, they're they're expensive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so one freaking dollar a day to have access to that's, all these amazing people. Jamie just walked in the door, so we're gonna wrap things up. Uh, Jay Shrot in the house. Yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> uh, that's my shout out, by the way. Yeah, man. Um, so. Um, Jamie is Brooke's shout out. He's about to get on the mic. It's going to be great. And how can we connect? If we're so jacked up and geared up and motivated from listening to this episode, maybe we're not a restaurant owner, but we're aspiring to be a restaurant owner, but we want to come work with amazing people. How can we connect? How can we join your team? Um, well, if you want to join my team, um, info at spreadbagelry.com. Yeah. Um, you could probably email me there as well. I'm, I kind of geek out and I check all those emails yeah. every day for some reason still. I don't know why. If your dream is to be a restaurant owner or to be, make a career out of the restaurant industry, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. Yeah. And I will say that Spread Bagelory has done an amazing job getting one of the best in the industry. And awesome. this guy will look out for you. Yeah, so. and if you guys d- just want to chat, you know, hit me on that line and like I'll, I'll send you my personal stuff and we can chat. Yeah. Or come, come visit and get some bagels, man. Brooks Tanner, my man, there is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thanks. Cheers. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, Brooks Tanner. The first time I had Brooks on the show was episode 360. And to watch you grow, watch your career grow, and to see you on this team spread bagelry and the opportunities that are ahead of you, man, I am so excited. And I cannot wait to get you back on the show in another five years. Awesome stuff. So if you guys are enjoying the show and you want more like it, we need your support. One way you can support the show is you can come hang out in Restaurant Unstoppable Network. It's a dollar a day. We're going to have people in the network every week for you to talk to, whether you need to ask a pro a specific question about your business or you need to talk to a peer about you know life challenges. We have somebody in the network for you, and the mission of the network is to really just connect my listeners with my guests and the tools and services that they're recommending. We're also trying to connect our guests, and the, the, the goal of Restaurant Unstoppable has always been to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. And I believe we're going to transform the industry by sharing knowledge and making access to this information uh, readily available to all. So uh, if you guys want to be a part of that, all you got to do is head over to restaurantstoppablenetwork.com, create a username and password, and you're in. That's, That's it. It's that simple. Uh, so uh, this week in the network, we have Bob Sloop and Rudy Mick making themselves available at 3 p.m., Eastern. We also have Sean Lyons, who's going to be available at 5 p.m. Eastern. Ask a peer with Sean Lyons. And then tomorrow, we're going to have Troy Hooper, who specializes in franchising and startups, available for Ask a Pro at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, so cool stuff happening. Uh, we're just getting started, and your support is greatly appreciated. Uh, and I cannot say goodbye without letting you know you can also support the show by supporting our sponsors, using our affiliate links, and sharing this podcast with everybody and anyone you know aspiring to be great in the industry. Also, special thanks to the people who make this podcast possible. Jared Parisi with Sumadre Podcast for your editing and your copywriting. And Sam Hall at SavinSam.com for all you do on the road, helping me capture these stories, helping me with the social media, the videography. It takes a team, and I am so grateful for my team. That's it for today. Until next time, peace out.